Jared's International. We helped Jared find the perfect studio apartment in Tokyo, Japan, and finally live out. Let's see how he's adjusting to life in the big sake. Oh, God. Oh, God. I hope he took my advice. What's up, Mookie? I was wrong. Stop the tape. <laughs> All right, to recover from that one, to recover from that sketch, I'd like to do a little bit of... Yeah, come on, that was not bad. Yeah, yeah. You could have done a good shouty. I know, I know, Billy did a great job, but then you could have done a good shouty thing if you shouted around. Oh, yeah. Well, to take everyone's mind off it, what if I did a great little magic trick? Huh? Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, I will. I will now proceed to make this uh, this entire soundboard disappear. Ready? It's gone. Thank you. Oh my god! You guys talked about that in advance for viewers at home. Was that the end? There's no more soundboard. No, we have another. Oh, okay, good. You guys talk about that before? No, I can. I, I just n doing magic. I mean, I didn't. I should have it asked magic. Pam before I. No, took I. I mean, I know how you magic know, works. You knew, you knew that you she was Do you not believe do that? in magic? What are you, some kind of like telekinesis? What kind Fucking of co communist are you? You don't believe, yeah, you in, don't magic? believe in magic? What? You don't have. You don't <laughs> have any Muggles sense don't of have wonderment the in your life. Jesus Christ. Okay, John Lennon. <laughs> yeah. Have a little beat sense women. of magic and wonder. John magic. Lennon beat women. John right. Lennon beat women. Not everybody. I just have one more sketch. Yeah, I can reinstall. All right, let's. You guys want to? You guys want to pick who does? Who's who's who? I guess Ron needs Billy. Hey, I'm gonna respect. Thank you, Sam. You're Richard, so you have the most pretentious. Oh, his name is Dick, and that's. Oh, yeah. yeah. The pretentious guy. Oh, J.K. Yeah. Oh, J.K. Simmons. Spider-Man. Um, I'm David. We need more pictures. My dad's name. I have the smallest part, but with the most musical cues. Hmm. Pam, you were Charlotte. You're sane, but you're a chronic overactor. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right in my wheelhouse. The chronic overactor part. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe not. No, not the sane part. You Fuck your face. You're kidding me? All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first rehearsal for the Scottsdale Community Theatre's production of Shakespeare's most famous comic tragedy, One Girl Sad, Three Girls Stabbed. <laughs> sorry, 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 I could not make it to the auditions, but my assistant looked over all of your resume, and I have no doubt that you'll do the material justice. So let's just jump right into it. Is that all right with everybody? Great, great. We're going to start with some key scenes. Your first, David. It says here that you once performed on Broadway. Uh, Broadway Avenue, actually. Broadway Avenue, in okay, El Paso. Yes, okay. Very familiar with it. Oh, well, uh... Cut! Well, you're reading uh, for Il Dottore, top of scene four. Great. All right, hit it. I just can't believe she's so sad. And I wish I didn't have so much plague. <laughs> I wish I could help her. But that's just the way it is. And that's just something will never change. Stop! What are you doing? 
I, I'm just None of that is in the script. I, I'm just trying to put my own spin to it. Well, don't. Your character is a poor Italian man whose wife is on her deathbed while he pursues a melancholy 16-year-old prostitute. He's the complicated hero. Do it again, this time from where Charlotte says, I am distraught. Charlotte, why don't you begin? Of course, uh, let me finish my breathing exercises. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, I am distraught. I am betrothed to Lancelot the Huguenot. I am wrought with afterthought that wrought the knots I once sought at the despot. And I have lots of plague. Tell me about it, right? Ha <laughs> ha, hit it. It's a hard knock life for oh us. It's stop, a hard stop, knock. Stop! Stop it right now! David, it's not even close to the scene we're doing. Is that what you call sad, tortured, and tedious? I, I'm sorry, Mr. Richard. I was just trying to add my own spin to it. I'm not paying you to add your own spin. In fact, I'm not paying you at all. Jesus Christ, Rodney. I'm going to have you fill in for David here. Maybe he'll get the idea. Hey, it sounds good to me. <laughs> Great. Take it from top of scene five, Rodney. <coughs> I'd say, any of you heard of this plague that's been going around, huh? Jeez. My wife's been bedridden for months. I'd tell you, though. By the amount of silence around this house, you'd think I was the one who died and gone to heaven. Oh. <laughs> Shut up, both of you. This isn't Caddy Shack. This is one girl sad, three guys stabbed. The definitive tragedy of the 1500s. We're going to do this play how it was meant to be played, self-indulgently over the course of six hours. The only true artist in this room is Charlotte. Look, she's studying me right now. Hi, Charlotte. <laughs> You're fascinating. You're fascinating. <laughs> Why don't you read the part of Il Dottore? I thought you'd never ask. Great, great. Start at the bottom of page 2486, end of act one. <coughs> oh, my leg! It is so broken! And it has so much black in it! And I've been stabbed! Just like my two brothers! True actress. Oh, for what? One sad girl! No! It has not been in vain. It's a really good actor. For I have loved. And that oh, is enough. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, Charlotte. <laughs> uh, more, more, more out of you. The motion, the peak <laughs> of it right now. Yes, perfect. Now the blue man group is going to rise up from the bottom of the stage. So you have to exit as soon as you hear the Chumba Woomba playing. <laughs> yeah. I get knocked down. But I get up again. Did I ever wanna take me down? I get knocked down. Everybody, that's yeah, all I got. Yeah, I got all this rock and roll. Yeah, that was an hour yeah. of material. Was it? No, oh, it's it's been an hour. Gee whiz, it's been an hour. Like 20 minutes of improv at the beginning. No oh fat right. on that. There was There's no, no fat, fat on, on this. Hi everybody. I had to get the damn thing to play, and it was funny. I don't know how your that's computer. Okay. Works. 
I'm sorry. Well, I was. I don't know how these kinds. You know, of despite the works. hurdles, we made a flawless sketch show performance. So everybody, please give it up for our players: Billy Sullivan, Sam Carroll, that's me, Pam Benjamin, and most of all, me, Aaron Atkinson. That's my impression of a chimpanzee. I did that with my mouth. Thank you for watching Aaron Atkins Sketch Show Podcast Comedy Hour with Friends on the Radio Radio Hour with Friends Hour. See you next time. Cigarette. Guy Blitton's The Naughtiest Girl, written by Ann Digby. Guy Blitton. <laughs> I'm sorry for getting rattled with you. I'm pretty sure I'm the reason that was so good. Funkified now. Some of the greatest R&B music ever made in America. That set began with Curtis Mayfield, 1971, and Get Down, followed by Earth, Wind, and Fire from 1973. That was Keep Your Head to the Sky. We'll send that one out to my wonderful friend and student, the Mighty Mo. I know she's listening today. They're from early Earth, Wind, and Fire, the first song I saw them perform on television, 1973, and I just went, wow. <laughs> My path in life was set. That was followed by the Jackson 5 and Dancing Machine, one of the last hits they had on Motown before leaving the label for Columbia. That was 1974, and also from 1974, the group that came to prominence at that time, the Spinners and Mighty Love. Another television memory for those of you who were around at that time or seen it on YouTube. The time that The Spinners appeared on Saturday Night Live and Bill Murray was just beside himself introducing them live to the crowd. He could barely contain his enthusiasm. The Great Spinners here on the morning train with J.B. Buell. And we are headed elsewhere now with the also mighty Tennessee Ernie Ford.
Tell that to the Native Americans. You can't own. You can't own a fire. No, nobody owns the fire. The fire owns man. After Prometheus stole fire from the gods, we went high with power. Oh, the whole time I'm gonna fucking. Am I out now? Well, you're back in. You're in there like swimwear, player. In there like swimwear. Right? Isn't that cool? That's a cool thing that I say. It's a cool thing that makes me cool. Really? Well, don't say that. Dude, I just got crazy deja vu that I was gonna die. Yeah, everybody, that's shady. Well, my heart is full of love and it's inspire you. And I'll be there every day if you just want me to. Yours is yours is clicking in. A beer kiss. Do you wanna do a beer kiss with me, Sam? Not on the lips, guys. No, 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 no. You you don't. Let me show you what a beer kiss. Not on the lips. Sam and Aaron are docking in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't know what that is, it's when one male sticks his penis into the other male's foreskin, obviously providing one of the men have foreskin. Is that the case? And that yet that is the case. Always tastes like cigarettes. But I taste like Turkish Royals, so there's empowerment. Nope, you s- taste like Camel like Blues. Turkish Royals, they're everyone's at least top three, I feel. I don't feel anybody's They're not even of my top three. Really? What are your yeah, top yeah. three? Yeah, top three is uh, Reds, I think are my favorite, just because they have the fiberglass, and they really fuck you up. And that's why they're so good. They taste like a break at a fast food restaurant. Yeah, but you don't have a cigarette and palette yet, a cigarette palette. No, I, mean. I love a Red. I love taking a 10-minute break at KFC. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that. They're delicious. That's all I'm agreeing with you. What are your other two? Uh, okay, so there's reds, and then I think um, I think Dunhills are up there. Hmm, I'll give it that, actually. But I, you know what? I don't even really personally like Dunhills all that much. I think they just might be some of the best because they're – yeah, heard of them. Thompson smoked them. Are, are they regular, like you can buy them at a gas station? Or? You know what? They, you, could only buy, uh, you can only buy Dunhill Internationals outside of – Europe and shit. Like in America, you can only, only buy Dunhill Internationals, and they sell them in the mission. Dude, French cigarettes, gitans. That's like, in theory. I've only had them like once, and I don't really remember them that much. They were fine, but gitans, because yeah. Serge Gainsbourg smoked those, dog. Cigarettes, cheese, and wine. Cigarettes, cheese, and wine. One of those fucks you up. One of them lets you go. The other one lets you do it and have a good time. Want to do it to him. We're here with the Mutiny Radio podcast. Super, super poop talk. You know, the the French French have less cholesterol because red wine coats your arteries and makes them slippery so your fat doesn't stick as much. What, dude? Yeah. That's like something you – like the the Italians like did this thing where they were just like, yeah, a glass of red wine a day keeps you alive. And it's like I guess maybe like a glass, but like who's drinking a glass of red wine? Look at how they drink versus the Irish though. Because the Irish were downtrodden, and they just only had the sauce to keep them warm Malcolm during the famine. The Malcolm True. Gladwell. The Italians, they had it much better, though, to and be honest. Well, the Italians were, like, at a lot of points in the world, like, the epicenter of trade and shit. That's true. They had a Northern good for a Italy. Long time. The southern the southern Italy was just neglected and there was a lot of civil wars and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they're poor. Dude, wine's also yeah. room temperature. It's hard to drink a lot like yeah, like gross. you get a cold beer, you could drink a million of those. That just tricks your brain into thinking, Oh, that's yeah, water. That's definitely water. I could drink twelve day. of those. 
Now think about think about light. all the drinks back in the day were just warm. You were just a normal guy. You had warm drink every time. There were no, no matter fridges. what you were drinking, always warm. They'd just be like, or you put it in a cellar, get it like three degrees colder yeah, than it's in an outside temperature. They still do that in England. They have uh, cask condi- like cask temperature ale, which is just like they have some shit in the basement, and it comes out that temperature. Tinder shade. And it's and got like, like novelty degrees. attached to it. It's yeah. Let's yeah, go yeah, to yeah. English and well, buy their. Ground beer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it is and like say that, that it's we warm drink brown ale. If, if we just got back from London. We had the ground beer. You have to try the ground beer. You gotta try if the ground beer, sugar. If you drink Guinness as your beer of choice, you're fat as fuck. There's no way to maintain really health. Walk. Dude, that no shit's way. like literally like a loaf of bread. No, you but dude, Guinness has. Um, it doesn't have nitrites. Guinness has. What is that? Nitrates. It's one of the nitrites. only beers without a nitrate in it. Twelve ounces day, of Guinness so has 125 calories. 12 ounces of Bud Light has 110. So that's Damn. 10. A, a glass of Guinness has 10 more calories than a glass of Bud Light. I don't even you don't know 15, I, mean. I don't even eat hey, just hey. so I could get, you know, save money on beer, and I still fucking have a beer belly. It also just makes you, it makes you swell up, you know? You know what I mean? It's because, <coughs> scientifically, it's because when you have carbohydrates in your body, it takes two waters to process a carbohydrate. And you so you, and so... <laughs> That's why when you lose weight, you lose a lot of water weight, especially if you stop <laughs> eating carbs, because it takes your body holds more water yeah. in it when you're processing carbs. And you're b- and it gets kind of inflamed. Well, yeah. it just it literally takes two, like extra waters like attached, you know, like Ochem. Anyway. That's the best thing to have. It's like an energy drink before like a big sports game or something like that. You eat a bunch of pasta beforehand. You carbo load. Well, you gotta eat it like night before. You eat yeah, a bunch like before right before, then you're fucked. fucked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can't even move. All the other kids are blowing you out of the water, and your dad's in the stands like, "Damn it, dude, my you were a goalie. Sucks. What are you talking about?" Yeah, I know. Wait, <laughs> you I was always eating carbs before my practices. Were you a goalie? I was a goalie at Lax. Yeah. Dude, I was a goalie in hockey. I know, I know. We Chicken talked about shit. this. Right. You were just hammered. Although <laughs> yeah, we didn't. <laughs> dude, that's some. That's m- I'm much. I think that's much more baller of you because uh, that ball is going so oh fast. Oh my that god, so hard. Yeah, no, no pads. Y- yeah, nobody. W- you couldn't wear pads just because. Only because of the stigma, everyone thought you were a big old puss for wearing pads. Like, yeah, you, d- yeah. Uh, oh, it makes you sore. No, it you ever seen what the girl? You, reality, know, you, you see what the girl yeah, lacrosse sucks. goalie dress up it's in? It's more than a paintball. <laughs> Have you seen more than yeah. paintball. <laughs> girls? <laughs> girls like lacrosse paintball cannonball. Girls lacrosse goalies. They got motocross pads on. Yeah, I they're, know. They got some. They're on some X Games mode. Sport though. For a goalie, it's the same sport except for the fact that usually the shots come in high. And you ever been hit? You ever been hit in the face with balls? I mean, my God, going that fast, please. You gotta have a lot of protection. Dude, I lost. I broke a couple molars playing hockey because I got hit in the chin with a puck. Uh. And I've never been scared of the puck, but you know, when it hits you in the chin, my my my, my helmet oh was Jesus. so fucking small and so close to my hey, jaw. Aaron, you can't be scared no, no, no. of a right? It hit me in the mask. Oh. So it hit me right where it should have, but the mask was just a little too small. It was one of those stylish CCMs from back in the day, and the shock went right into my fucking jaw and broke my molar, and I oh. just had to chill. Yeah. But I didn't. I stayed conscious though. One time you I got hit in the knee, and I just fucked it. Did you have a no. fat Northwestern alcoholic hockey coach? Yeah, Aaron can't be afraid of the pack. All right, no great goalie can't be afraid of the pack. I need some camel whites. I should be though. I probably knocked a couple IQ points off me. That's why I can't communicate. He was doing a visual joke where we couldn't see any of his teeth. He had no teeth. Right. Yeah. Just so for the people on the radio that might not have gotten that. I got new ones. All good. New ones are wider than the others. So yeah. That's all you can ask for. Fake. Like Steve O. Have you seen Steve O's teeth? Yeah. Those fools are fucking large. It's like when they edit like a dog to have teeth for like ads. 
for like dog food and they make the dog have teeth. That's what Steve-O's fucking mouth looks like all the, the horse. time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I know exactly yeah, yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, canine advantage. <laughs> you put yeah, they got some yeah. big-ass fucking you teeth. You put yeah. human teeth on any animal. It's hilarious. I think it makes comedy su- like such a pure, like a little piece of shit. You know, because so if simple. that's funny. Yeah. And <laughs> what the fuck am I? What am I doing over here? I told some. I was on a podcast. Memeords are the new comedians. Memeords, like that guy Kevin Flynn, that guy's the the guy behind white people humor. He's like five million followers on on the gram. Who? He's just one of the best memers. Who? His name is Kevin Flynn. He's just behind a page called White People Humor. It's like not like it's it's yeah yeah. Well, he knocked him out of the park. He's not like it does. It's not as racist as it sounds. I don't think. It's just like court. <laughs> yeah, like we're not allowed to say the word like white or? anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Why say the word white. Like You're this. racist. Yeah. <laughs> They're white chocolate chip cookies. You're racist. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you use white chocolate, you racist? Why yeah. would you put cashews and not macadamias? Because I'm poor. Because because I only get so much food stamps poor. from the government, and I didn't want to spend the extra five ninety nine on the, the on the macadamia nuts. You know where macadamias come from? Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Did you know that? Um, did you know that a parrot can open up a macadamia nut with its little beak, and that it takes 400 pounds of pressure to open up a macadamia nut, which means that a parrot could just take off your finger anytime they wanted. To. Dude, your fingers like a fucking carrot. But they don't because they're just bite off a finger with the texture of a carrot. Dude. I also love the deductive reasoning that you went there. Like parrots have definitely bitten off human fingers before, oh and that's yeah. how they we totally know that a parrot have. can bite off yeah. a human finger. Is my, fr- a my friend had a parrot, but, like, and they lived so the long. Cutest way to get there, like <laughs> parrots, macadamia nuts, four hundred pounds of pressure. That means four hundred pounds of pressure. You could break a bone. Four hundred pounds of pressure. That means parrot, human bone. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's, how, that's how we get there. Up, they can open up a macadamia nut, then yeah. they can bite off your finger. No, I d- uh, my friend's parrot was such a cunt. The Smart. parrot would just be and just blast at your finger every time. We would be dicks and little kids and stick our fingers in there and piss the parrot's name was Fluffy. We'd piss Fluffy off. Did you ever fuck with the cat? Do you remember the first time you fucked with the cat and it just blooded you? You never fuck with cats. You ever watch Netflix? First time I did that, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Don't you know? Well you never watch Netflix? The trick with the cats right. is you, 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 can't, you can't ever make your hand a toy. And people who make their hand a toy get attacked by cats. That's uh. just the way it is. The reason my cats, you have very sharp nails because I don't clip them very often, but the reason I don't get all bloody from them is that my hand is not a toy. <laughs> my hand feeds you and pets what? you. My cats never attacked me even like as a toy. It's never been like Not with my ne- – no. I, I fuck with them like I pick them up all the time and I play with their paws just so that if I want to clip cup their nails, I can. But you never make your hand a toy. Because then they'll attack it in the middle of the night. If you, like, move your hand under the covers or whatever, they'll – they get you. Oh, that's yeah. fun, though. That's Are so you the Joey Exotic of cats? Oh, my God. There's a call. Yes. <laughs> it means yes. It used to be – Joe Exotic. Aaron Atkins or Kevin Quigley, but now you live here. Are you, Are you on the air now? You're being racist. David who? I am. Hey, Aaron. I recognize your voice. I recognize your voice, too. I was like, oh, it's David James. Hi. Hi. You calling in to purchase the necklace? No, he heard he heard your, he heard heard Aaron's voice, and he was excited about it. He said, oh, I thought – he listened live to check the link, and he said, oh, I heard Aaron's voice, so I wanted to call in. David who? <laughs> David, David Jane. Jane. I stopped by with my once four-legged, now three-legged dog. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about you today, man. You know who you kind of sound like? You sound like the Ever. Ice King from Adventure Time. Oh, you know how many customer service, especially since my last name is J. 
Jane, J-A-Y-N-E. I'm talking to these customer services. They've gone through my whole profile, and they still keep calling me ma'am. I'm like, you're talking to David. Anyway, That's brutal. You're messing around with your gender pronouns. That's brutal, but also you can't get offended. If you get offended, like... Especially when I'm all excited like this. Anyway, Pam, yeah. I just did a post on Facebook for my 420, dude. Thursday afternoon performance. Right? Yeah, Thursday afternoon at 420. Tag, I checked that link. I'm looking into Facebook Live or things like that. Maybe do a stream, video stream. It looks like with Facebook Live, you can't give any more than a five-hour and link for people to watch it. But in the meantime, I did a plug for going out over the airwaves, and I think I gave the right email, I mean, whatever, website link, and... Well, I'm glad everything works, and I'm excited <laughs> for Thursday at hey, 420. And I'm talking to you. <laughs> and you can let people you can let people call in at this number, and then they can call in, too, when you're doing your show on Thursday. I will add that. Hooray. To the David, David, awesome. David, do you blaze? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do I Hello? blaze? He, he's Hello asking if you blaze, if you if you play, if you like yeah, the trying to hand me a blood type Kush positive oh, type shit. I love the OG Kush. Um, I blaze. I stopped by the dispensary yesterday and pretty much spent the last of my cash. I am supposed to be. Hey, David, today. don't do that. No, Moving I'll sell you. I'll sell you weed from now on. Don't do that. No, don't go I to have, the dispensary. I have all this paperwork to get money back, save money, reopen the ticket, whatever. It's just paperwork that's been going on for over a year. Whoa, David, David, I got the freshest, David, I got the freshest OG purple pussy OG Kush that you'll ever smoke. Really, I'm four blocks away and my dog needs a walk. <laughs> Are you offering right now? I could pop in. All right, thanks anyway, for calling, David. You have your Quarters you of that have your pussy, pussy purple OG. $80, call me. Alright, Pam. David, everybody, king shit, as they say. David, everybody, king he's a, one of our neighbors who um, has been coming to the Friday show. The Ice King himself. Yeah, and he's excited. He plays lots of music, and and I said, hey, if you want to come over, and we'll do a little show. So Thursday, the 420, we're gonna do that. It's gonna be exciting. Is Avery doing a show here? Is she gonna do a music show? Hopefully, uh, yeah. I mean, I need to. I. We're friends on Facebook now. That's a step in the right step. direction. She'd love to do a show. She's she used to run a great show, uh, Puget Sound University. They used to have a great show with Audrey White as well. Shout out them for Puget. being great DJs. Puget Sound. What is what what's a, what's something that sounds Puget? Uh, it's a just <laughs> a it's a body of water, a sound. Does it? What does it? It's, I bet it's it Puget. Like, like how does that sound like? <laughs> no, that's the sound of something. Oh, it sounds like a radio bumper. Sounds like my. We were. Yeah, after <laughs> anything. Pam, we were talking about that. We need to make you a radio bumper. I don't know what that means. Like radio. Me, radio Donna oh. Yeah, yeah. We actually have one. Carl does it, man. There's a guy. He's got a very unique voice. There's a famous guy named Toots who did one for us for a while ago about Mutiny Radio. Toots sounds like he does blow. It was no, it's he's Puts a he's a reggae. Yeah. He's like a kind of a famous reggae extract. guy, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Toots. It's an old it's an old one. Yep. There's call me Toots. There's all kinds of stuff that I need to do and work on, but it's just like one project <laughs> after another. It's like what's the 
that's the most important project. I bet that guy was like, yeah. everybody call me Dragon. And they're like, no, we're going to call you... We're going to call you the Redskins. They're going to change that name now. They're changing it, baby. And somebody has all the other cool names trademarked. The Blue Men. Yeah. The URLs and shit. They should name it the Rednecks. That would would work. Or the Crackers. The Black Lives Matters. Sure. Why not? Cover all your bases. Uh, How about the Red... The Red Cox. Red Badges. The Jews. Wild hogs. He has the Jews. All right, Hell's that's angels. what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's Hell's Angels. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> what, is there a problem with the the our team, the Jews? Jews? That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> I mean, Christians would be kind of like. Oh yeah. And you, and you did like the. Who do you, and the who do you think was was pissed about the Redskins name changing in the first place? Probably the Christians. So if yeah. you change it to the Jews, it'd be a double whammy. Ooh, the Jew, the Christian Jews, the yeah. Pro- Protestants, yeah. the Palestinians. You imagine the Rohingya Muslims. Shouts out. There's a whole bunch of political stuff you could do. Rohingya. The low income. Oh, you mean the Rohingya? How about the low income single mothers? How about we finally name a team after the real heroes of our society? <laughs> the teachers. The Washington the teachers. Low income single mother teachers. That's about it's everything you can be. Dude, that was my. What? 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 Who? I'm censoring myself on air. Censor. Cancel. Cancel. You know, you know I'm a quarter Chinese. You know it comes out sometimes. I just got to censor myself. The other three quarters of me want to just dish. But I would never. Spit yeah, dish thank God it. for our cancel button we have right here in Spit the studio. Cancel. You guys want to hear some gossip? Okay. So you guys know my Uncle Josh? Yeah. Okay. So my uncle Josh went mudding with his buddy Max. Mudding? Yeah. Mudding. Uh-huh. You know, buddy's name Max. What is that? Well, Max's nephew's name is Steven. Oh. Is mudding just like Steven? driving around in mud? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but Steven's sister's name is Cynthia. Okay. Right. But Cynthia's aunt, okay. her name's, she's Sarah, right? Yeah. So Sarah went to Cynthia and said, Max knows something about Steve. Max, I don't like your response. Yeah, give it You're to You're not me. getting it? Nah, Cynthia. My grandmother is also my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I shouldn't we even be saying you. this on air. Yeah. You know that? My yeah, grandmother is also my mother. <laughs> <laughs> she fucked my dad. Really? Her son, yeah. Queen shit. Nice. Literal yeah. 1400s queen You'd shit. You'd be way more goofy looking if that were the case. No, it actually, <laughs> it has to repeat over multiple iterations for the... The inbreeding to really start to take hold. No, That's no, what with that. I no, no. You're, you're, you're kind, you are. You're kind quick. of right. You're kind mother's of right. Mother's son is no, the worst. Not. Mother's son's the worst. That's the worst you could do. The next is brother sister. The next is dad's son. <laughs> <laughs> dad's son incest. Oh, those never survive. That'd be so it's wild. Those never ever survive. That'd be no. never so survive. Oh my god. I, I know cousins. Cousins, cousin, I think, cousins starts to show over more. Game, but if you're cousins, fair cousins game. If you're with so your family, fair game. that kid's no, fucked. Is. Look at the map. I know, dude. I know, dude. Look at the okay, this, is a, this is a controversial if you're fact. You're trapped in a, a castle of only your cousins for eight generations. Yeah, you're kind of thick. You're well, gonna get fucked up, dude. But well, like, dude, you, do just you know fuck that your cousin once, and then she fucks your brother, and then it's like, and then your dad gets involved and shit. Sam, your dad's also like Holy Roman Emperor. Hey, the guys. Forty percent of all marriages in the Islamic world are relative relations. 
As in cousins. Yes, our blood relations. <laughs> yeah. That is, I did not just make that <laughs> up. They're like, just I did not just throw out some gnarly fact about they're people that I'm not a part of. They're just learning about how bad it is. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, you, you, I'm not even you think shit. That has, hasn't that been around for a while, though? Fuck yeah. No, no, no dude. Like, I, I'm b- like, back in the day, I bet, like, just in the, like, in the 50s, it was, we were just like, oh, cousin fucking, oh, yeah. but she's so hot. Everybody like, come on, it. let me just yeah. do it. See? And it's yeah. a social construct. Yeah, yeah. it is a social construct, dude, but it's still pretty. I told you, like, Mom. Like, dude, I saw a video of a guy who has to take, like, 50 different types of medications a day because his, pa- his parents are cousins. He's also a dumbass. Dude, the, mo- the majority of. He's an IQ of, like, 80, right? Dude, dude when you. I didn't see that dumb. When you, when you don't want to fuck your sister, it's because, it's because there's something in your brain that recognizes that you grew up with her. Like. There's no way to smell that it's your sister. There's no way to like know that I shouldn't fuck my sister unless it's like just like that like repetitive cognitive like this this is my sister. She's a baby. You know you don't grow up with your cousins. It's why it's why you know sometimes cousins can be hot. Right. You think under any certain okay, Sam. Right. Fourteen hundreds. Not my cousins, but your your cousins can be hot. Your cousins are hot, Aaron. She knows so much about me. We're soulmates. We it's like we were made for each other. Fucking gnarly. That's Woody Allen shit. Dude, it's, it's they the weren't related. I know, you know what? but it's still fucked it is still up. Step, si- yeah. step siblings. Power. What about yeah, power? No, it was about because he nurtured her and yeah, watched her grow and made her into this power. person power. that he wanted. He wanted for himself. It's about power. Yeah, that's all. What do you? What, no, Woody Allen did what Soon Young Kim, what like a master ceramicist would do with a clay pot. He just molded her and then he pissed into it. Cause she's Whoa. Asian. Yeah. <laughs> No, had to no, be a and you can't rule that a out. Like you can't I, rule the out the mold about their sex pot. life. The word "mold" here is important because humans. She's don't still mold better off than fuck. being a Korean orphan, though. I'll say that live on air, dude. I bet Ooh, she loves better off. She better wanted off to do it. Before. He didn't like. He didn't force her to marry her. Let me edit that out. What if I want to be? What if I want to do something with my life? I don't think they're. I don't think Cisco Systems is gonna. I watched a documentary about Amy things. Schumer. This guy dug up so much about Amy Schumer. So yeah, it's much. What, that's what she does about the people. Like she, she dug up a fucking ten-year um, footage of, of Joey Diaz on yes, the you? JRE on the Joe Rogan podcast of him like saying some pretty gnarly shit. Like oh, basically yeah. saying oh, like, he would, yeah, he, he would he would give someone? girls stage time at the at the laugh factory dick, if they'd suck my dick. And Joe Rogan was like. How many girls do you do that to? He was like, like 20, dog. Like 20. No, like no 20 joke. Dog. No, he goes, he goes, no joke, like 20. Like 20, dog. Like 20. And it's he like, clarified and it. they oh, all die like, of I'm laughter. I'm serious right now, 20. This ain't a joke, dog. 20. Wait, there was yeah. some video of a streamer. You know who Rice like Gum gnarly, is? but like, like it was on the JRE. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, do you know who? It's called you, the casting couch for a reason. Everybody acts like it's such a big fucking deal. There's a reason yeah. why there's a trope called the casting couch is that for years and years, women were taught that the way you got ahead in Hollywood is that you had to sleep with everybody. Like, that was the Weinstein thing. And then when someone stood up, like Mira yeah. Sorvino, when someone different. like Mira Sorvino stood up and said, no, I'm not going to get in a bathtub with you. You're a scary, fat old fuck. He tanked her whole career. Dick. What happened to Mira Sorvino? She, like, got a fucking Oscar or something or got nominated, and then she disappeared. And the same thing happened to the girl who was in Jawbreaker who was so pretty, who was, like, with Marilyn Manson for a while. And she's kind of a weirdo and kind of a fun little wacky actress. Rose McGowan. The same thing happened to Rose McGowan that happened to Mira Sorvino. And that it was that Harvey Weinstein said, fuck me or I'll tank your career. And they said no. And then he tanked their careers. And it happens from like, why did they disappear? Why were they big yeah, in the early 90s? And all of a sudden, the late 90s, they disappeared in the thousands. And they weren't there. And we're Is all that they said no, but everyone else said yes. And all like we're the all better for that 
that cultural thing being destroyed. We are all better off for it. Uh, sure. Sure. I mean, society's better off for that. I mean, not, you, not scumbags. Scumbags are definitely not better off. They're like, shit, yeah, but Harvey blew up the spot. You know, how men, you know how men get ahead in life? By giving young starlets careers. Yeah. That's how men get Dude, a, a he, I, saw, I saw a video. There's some, there's some, oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm a comedian. <laughs> a blab. <laughs> uh, woo, aren't I wacky? That's from Family Guy. Andy Dick. Oh, I love Dude, Andy Dick. Dude, you see Andy Dick get punched in the face? Because he was like, he's like, I just want a treat. And no, someone's going like, to punch him in the face. Video. Dude, he's humiliating himself. He did a Cribs tour. He lived in a shed. <laughs> oh, fuck yes. <laughs> it's a nice one. And then he's like, this is my painting. It's worth $3,000. Uh, I had to keep fuck. something. And no. then later on, he got drunk and got punched. Yeah, by he pawned that, dude. He got jumped by dude because he was drunk and he was like saying like the N-word or something. Reckless shit, I bet. Yeah. yeah that's some, some Andy Dick shit. shit. Yeah. That's what Andy Dick do. Andy he went to my Dick. school, alma mater. Really? He went to Columbia, yeah. Ooh. King shit. My, my hero, my idol, my striving star. Andy Dick. What a hilarious name. I don't think it's real. I think it's his stage name. My friend's name was Dick Arms. <laughs> Richard, Richard Julian Arms, Arms the fifth. Richard Arms, dude, Arms. <laughs> hey, hit up Dicky Arms. We need some. <laughs> we need some Percocets. Me, me and him. Me and him. Me and Andy's him. Dick's real name is Andrew Dick. Oh, skim pop quizzes from the history teacher. We used to go in after he left, oh. take pictures and shit on the MV touches With that we Dickie had. Arms. I'd be lookout, he would take the pictures. And good old Dicky would come in. We got busted. It's so hey funny because in all the time that you probably spent setting up that heist, you could have just studied the material Fuck. and learned yeah. it and done fine <laughs> on the Fuck. test. Yeah. No, you could have. I mean, but it's you just applied yourself That's in a not different true. way. I hear that all the time. If you just applied, no, it is. applied it's yourself and cheating? did the work, no, dude, cheating. Cheating. more efficient than not cheating. No, it's not. Not yes, if you have to do a lot of Yeah, but you had to pull off a heist. Yeah. How many hours did it take you? To get a groove. Then you start to know, and then you are hella good at heisting. It's yeah, like, it's like just like you what you do with studying. You just repeat your act for twenty years. Jerry Seinfeld, but like, it's just like that. You know, once you figure out how to print out the thing and tape it to the inside of the water bottle, or like find the perfect note card, put it inside the test. You know, good yeah, but why wouldn't you just? Aaron, you cheat all something. the time. You, I mean? see you. What do you mean? It's your phone on the stage. That's cheating. not cheating. That's my persona. It's a cheatery. Cheating. It's not cheating. It's a delicious one. How would you know? You're cheetah girls, man. I respect it. I'm one of the cheetah girls, too. I don't cheat. You cheat. You, put, you bring this phone on the stage. I used to have a bit about it. I was like, I'm going to cheat right now, you know? I used, to, I used to write joke one, joke two, it's joke three on my style. hand and then say, go up on the stage. Be like, oh, joke one, that doesn't really help, it's does it? It's a different it? style. Are you, what are, you, are you cheating for just being an angry comic? I mean, is that cheating? Is that a crutch? No. Yeah, I would say I'd say it's a crutch just to be like angry about everything, you know? I don't think anything's a crutch in Dude, that Dude, I'm way. only saying it because I do it too, and I consider it cheating. That doesn't mean that I do it as a cheat, as a crutch at all. I don't do it. I don't remember shit up there. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I just fucking know. get it. Oh, I'm going to say this. What the fuck was I going to say? All right, I'll talk about dicks. <laughs> Everybody loves Default. Dicks. Yeah, when, when I'm still in that dick phase. On dicks. Yeah. This is the only time. I love using my phone because it's just so casual, you know? People want you to be casual. But you also know that you're just up there. you use your phone actually using it as a sound device, so that's different. Like it's it's that almost well. a prop. That as well. I mean, so. it is a prop. Even I think that yeah. I mean, well, I I used to feel the same way about open micers using their phone, but it's no different than using like 
fucking notepad. I guess unless you want to convince the audience yeah, that you're I just like, too. I bring a thing oh, I'm off the top of my head. I'm just like naturally thinking of this funny stuff. They know better. There would be no point for me to bring any notes on stage because I'm so blind that I couldn't see anything I'd written down anyway at this point. Like uh. I wouldn't even be able to read. The only way I'd be able to read it at this point is like look really far away or look really close up, which I can't do. So there's just there's there's no option for me to even try. I can do it without my phone, but it's just so stale. Do you want a reefer? Can I c- pick a bong oh, real yeah, quick? Sure. Yeah, lady. Okay, um, don't, 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 no dead air, everybody. Keep no being, dead keep air. Keep being well, I'm scintillating. Yeah. Jesus Silly and goofy. You and guys, friends You and guys stuff? ever watch Making a Model with Yolanda Hadid? No. No, but I've heard about it. She takes 13-year-old girls and tells them they're fat. G- gives them Adderall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah, she's like, you fat, need to lose about drugs, 30 pounds. Uh, that Weinstein shit, everybody's pissed about it, but that's actually what we all do. The so wine <laughs> don't scene? hate it. <laughs> I've been involved in the wine scene. The wine scene. Yeah, they make would some you good take wines. a drug if, if you knew it would make you better at the thing you wanted to be good at? That's what Dude, alcohol is. I have a drug that alcohol. would make me better at the thing I'm good at. Zans. You sleep better? Zans. Dude, I, I do, I do better some pretty sleeping? good comedy off just like a touch of Zans. Because you get up there and the adrenaline kind of overpowers the stupidness that you get with a touch I, of the Zans. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Benzodiazepines don't hurt you on stage. They don't yeah. hurt. They don't hurt me on well, stage. Wait, well, Alcohol it depends how many benzos you ate. Because if you ate too many, yeah, ten milligrams Valium is a lot of Valium. Yeah, That's I don't. I, get, I don't really. I haven't really gotten into the Valium game. All I know is like a quarter bar, a quarter. Break off one of those, a quarter of those big old Zanny sticks, and you go on stage, and you're you're loosey goosey, and you're wacky, and you're good. And you're not nervous. That's what's most important. And but the thing about that is that's so jam- like you can't fucking get in the habit of getting using an anti-anxiety drug to get rid of your anxiety Ugh. on stage. Yeah, like, that's what alcohol. Fu- what happens yeah, when you I'm run out of Zans, bro? What I'm trying to get at is yeah, that's what you I drink a little pills. bit of li- uh, liquor what you before. Would I use Jake pills and just have a a unimpressive hard on on stage? No way. <laughs> no, it's not about <laughs> balloon knot. It's not about having a boner on stage. It's about lasting a long time on stage. Ah. Uh. Like dick pills, people. people Have you eaten some dick, dick pills? pills, dude? Pe- people take Roman. dick pills and they're like, "Why would I get hard just to come in two seconds anyway?" It's like you don't come in two seconds. If you're coming in two seconds, you don't need dick pills. Why would you want dick pills? You don't need dick pills. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it, Pam. Pam, that's that. I used to say that all the time. It's such a, it's such a dumb thing. Like, it's not good enough. Have you ever had dick pills? You know what dick pills do to a dick? No. Have you ever eaten a dick pill? They turn you into a Neanderthal. I don't because I've never needed them. I don't take drugs unless I make you hard and they make you stay rock fucking hard the whole time and you don't and you don't ever you don't ever dude I've bust it too early you I don't th- ever is it blast harder to bust? off you don't ever apollo 11 challenger 85 you're not exploding you're 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 in it to win it it's it's miracle on ice when you're fucking with like dick pills. I, took, dude, I took a dick pill once and i didn't get laid <laughs> <laughs> I fucking was just left took with it the too gnarliest early. blue balls. You yeah. took it too early. Yeah, well, That's I hard. was like, this is a sure thing. Uh, it didn't happen. I just went back to my spot, and I felt so – I it was blue balls times a thousand. You know what you got to do? You know what those – And then I rubbed one out, and it made it just like ha- – it turned it into regular blue balls. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> just like keep going. I you know swear what those Nazi, you know what those Hell. Nazi spies would do? Would just they'd keep a little cyanide thing in their back tooth? Yeah, fake you gotta tooth. take a dick pill. Find the old yeah. capsules. Yeah, <laughs> that'd those, be sick. Oh, that'd be so swinger. In the back molar, which is like, what's that <laughs> in your cheek? You're like, I'm dipping, bitch. Oh, that'd be fucking so, so fuck many. You. Oh, that should have been a Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo joke. They should have put that in the movie. Deucey, take your dick pill. In case things get too rough. I can't. You guys have never. I hope things don't come to it. 
No, I've I've fucked on a dick pill. It makes you ravenous. Second, ravenous. It's it's yeah, shocking. It's I, I really think it's gonna be the new norm. I think like like as much as Adderall and the word and culture dude, is. And because dick pills are coming back, you don't need a lazy coward. You even talking about this? You're 24 years old and you're talking about this offends me oh, yeah. deeply because oh, yeah. it means you're a lazy coward. Uh-huh. You can do it Man. on your own, yes. just fine. Correct. And you decide to augment with drugs. What uh-huh. the yeah, but we we could party without drugs too. Everything you said is correct. It's more lit. But that's the whole thing is that you. You don't need the help, so why take it? No extra. Right. I'm gonna put extra. the same. I'm gonna put the same argument to makeup. You know, women shouldn't wear makeup for the same reason. No, it's, but I don't. Really women no more makeup. You don't need it without it. That's so lazy. Why not just yeah, run and Pam, lose weight? Same oh. argument. Stupid. I, I run and lose weight all the time. I'm like, not. Then yeah, this isn't for you. I don't use dick pills. I bet Sam doesn't even use dick pills. It's just for the sake of the argument. Maybe. I'm just saying it's offensive. That a person under thirty would even conceptualize using them, <laughs> because you can do fine without it's them. It's not. Come on. But then why? I don't care about your feelings. Because no, because it's just it's like okay, <laughs> like have this sex or just have this wild and crazy ravenous sex, yeah. and it's like you gonna just turn Probably it down on the on the premise of I don't need them. Like okay, somebody offers me a line of coke and be like, like and I'm drunk. Oh, I'm drunk. I don't need that coke. Like pill. you'll never hear me say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like someone's gonna give me drugs and be like, all right, hey. Listen, I don't need these drugs. I most certainly don't need them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And dude, honestly, they do all the time. Oh, something's wrong. That's why you get addicted to pills. Yeah, but that's not our fault. My parents gave me pills. No, my parents gave me pills. I mean, I'm just lucky that I never was put on all that fucking methamphetamine as a child. I I don't think that you need it to function. Me and Sam were. That's why we're so fucked up. And then they fucking give it to you, and then you're 30, and you think that there's a pill for everything. Your kidneys are going to be fucked when you're in your 40s. You take this many drugs when you're young. Have you ever thought about what long-term Adderall or speed usage does to you? You don't when you're a kid. You're going to be on dialysis. When you're 45. Oh God! Don't say this shit. It makes you want to drink. It makes you want to drink. Beautiful name for a baby girl. Yeah, we're dialysis. gonna have we're gonna have pacemakers that are so the lit. Dialysis the machines are gonna be able to put them in your breast pocket. It's gonna be fine. What if I name my daughter Dialysis? That's a beautiful. You know those name. hip <laughs> dialysis. dialysis Atkins. That's Dialysis very Atkins. Oh my God! And Atkins She's is the name Pisces. of the diet. She's a Pisces. I'm a Taurus. Says she's expensive, but I could afford it. Yeah, my friend it. drives a Taurus. All right. Dick pills. Wah, wah, wah. Dude, I like to dick rant. pills. Ranting is like one of my norm. favorite things to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, no, do you, but like I, I understand where you're coming from with a dick pill, but like you, you can apply that attitude to any drugs. Yeah. For sure. And to makeup and to, I mean, what? Women, women have so much. The only know. reason why I agree with you is because if you don't need yeah. dick pills, they really give you the rapey vibe. Like they really Oof. give you the ha ha. They turn you into a caveman. <laughs> My dude, like it like, is Arr. funny. It is I've funny. Never like you're aggressively that. horny, and it's like, okay. <laughs> you ever take? You ever take one, and then just like your friend, just like one friend, like you both take it, and then you yes. go to his kids, like, like. <laughs> dude. You go to your cousin's bar mitzvah when you yeah. got a dick pill and you hang out with all those yeah, and you're aggressively horny. And you slow yeah, dance with them. You can overpower the boner, but like you, you can't overpower down. the nut thing that you happens. Slow down, you slow dance with right. them and you your keep the right distance, just like the janitor, so that you have a very funny image in my head now. Or you can go, goodbye horses, and just shove your sack behind. Rock, oh yeah, <laughs> that's not good looking, kids. <laughs> 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 
Youth League softball. Can I have your number? <laughs> Mutiny Radio in the morning. Intramural baseball. I am. Can we play busy. this in the morning? Can we do this? Can this be our drive time show? We can play it. Whenever. Drive time <laughs> live. <laughs> Mutiny Radio in the morning with Billy. Your boy Bill. Sam Carroll. We're not here. And Pam Benjamin. Ooga ooga boy yeah 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 Give it a two, give it a two. Mutiny radio in the morning. Fucking up frequencies and shit. Oh I know. You could be the new Delilah, Pam. I don't know who that is. Before you're done. Before you're done. Bam she You mean Elvira? No, she hosted the greatest soft rock, soft pop adult contemporary show that with a Christian lean on 94.5 K Bay. For she was nationally syndicated. Dude, she used to play Katie Lang. <laughs> the James Gam. She, she used yeah. to play <laughs> Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton back to back. And then she'd play <laughs> Where Did I Go Wrong? I lost a friend somewhere. And I was like, damn, I guess I, also, I too lost a friend somewhere in the bitterness. I'm eight years old. And then she p- and then she play. Delilah, what's it like down in Bakersfield? You're you're a good enough singer and you know music well enough that you could do a whole montage of karaoke songs that could be very very funny. Especially since you're so young and if you did them from a whole different time period, like even if you did like the history of music through karaoke, starting with the Bee Gees right. and did your funny voice and then like. Starting eh, with the Bee Gees. I mean, it's almost. That's <laughs> where it began. Me and Aaron. Me? If, if anyone doesn't know, me and Aaron are hella good at karaoke. karaoke. But my point is that it'd be a funny joke. It would be like. Saturday Night Live when the when he did the thingy with the lounge music with the girl and the piano and the Will Ferrell. The lounge singer, yeah. Yo, you I cashed have, this have, last I time. No, baby. Yeah, let me get some herbs. There's no. plenty. I've got a whole... Goodbye, reefer. Goodbye, reefer. They're taking, they're the taking our reefer. What if that... give talk show on SNL. Hilarious. <laughs> that's our left one. They're taking our goods. Well, they're taking our reefer. Actually, they're giving you us back your weed the in there. Gun sales have oh gone wait! Up do you hear that? That's gunshots. Yeah, mission. Oh yeah. really? Oh, what is it? Yeah. No, it's that's still fireworks. No, no, yeah, 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 that's fireworks. fireworks. Yeah, yeah. That sounded really different from the fireworks. I've been watching my alone show, and every time there's a noise, I'm like, "That's a puma." That's gunshots. People be like, "That's a hard motherfucker." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have no idea if it's fireworks. Yeah, exactly. I do this gunshots. Yeah. No, bro. No, it's so straight. The sound, like, the sounds were just so staggered and not City. fucking, you know. I'm a white guy. I don't know shit. <laughs> Want to hear what it sounds like when a, when a horn has sex? <laughs> oh, my God. Are those gunshots in the house? Yeah. <laughs> you should have said that into the mic. <laughs> don't worry. I was distracting him with my horn I've got I've got my new inappropriate joke, but I think I need to sell it to Warhol or give it to him. Spit it right now. It's the I've, – I've said it a couple times, but – so you know how Tiger Woods is really rich, mm-hmm. and he's also half Thai and half black. Right. Do we call him a tycoon? Uh, it's so good. I feel it's like good. it has to have been done before. Has to have been done before. <laughs> but you know, it's it should so already good. be on the internet. But it's good. Okay. I'm, I am. I am yeah. more clever than people give. Actually, this is this COVID's actually quite helped me out. I'm sorry that weed is so bad and my bong doesn't work either. It's just such like a. It's just. It's just a, a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. Pam, what you just said reminds me of something that I've been saying. 
the only time I know that I'm better than you is if you say, you think you're better than me? And you just said, Every, nobody says that I'm talented or creative. Right. Me thinks I'll protest too much. No, no, I do. I oftentimes <laughs> feel. But no, lately I've felt really great about it since COVID started because I'm part of all these other weird things. And I'm like, since comedy sort of disappeared and I've been one of the only people that has access to it. I've watched my sets. I'm way funnier than I was like six months ago. Like I'm much more comfortable. And maybe it's because everybody else sucks because they're not getting the time that I'm getting. And so yeah. I'm like, ha, 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 look at me get better. And you all get worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know. Worse. Yeah, maybe it's not me getting better. Maybe it's just everybody else getting worse. And I don't mind that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should kind of just be indifferent to it. I think being indifferent to people getting worse is, is the best attitude because obviously the worst part of you is going to be like, yes, everybody's sucking. Yeah, but the, the best – yeah, the best part of you should be like, oh, I'm trying to make them better. And like being in the middle is just – is a good person, I think. Oh, no. Like I'm, the, I'm trying to help oh, people. I'm, a, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help a specific group of people get better. But yeah, other than like that, your friends. fuck them. Everybody else is a yeah, dick. Yeah, suck a dick. Yeah. Sure. Everybody else, yeah. All right. No one wants friends. me to read a poem. Yeah. No oh, I, your stuff, your work is so good. Yeah. No new friends. No, no. You've got no. all your, you, your um, just a mess of haikus. Can't your thing? This one comes in an Irish accent. Your pen. Oh, this one comes in I an like Irish. I like curtains bowl. that don't quite shut. I like bread knives that don't quite cut. I like rips in blue jeans. I like people who can't say what they mean. I like spiders with no legs. Pencils with no lead, ants with no heads, worms that are half dead. I like holes. I like coffee cold. I like creases in neat folds. I like signs that just don't know where they're going. What under attack here at Mutiny Radio? I like angry poems. I like the way you can't pin down the sea. Sea. I the sea. The sea. Sea. Oh, I That's love nice. the sea. Like sea, though. Yeah, got that homonym there at the you end. You know, that Mutiny nice. Radio was founded in a mutiny uh, in an 1800s uh, sea vessel. Sure. Ooh, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's what Pam told me. Yeah. Sir John Crozier was the captain of the ship. He didn't respect the men's needs, is what happened. Right, boys? And we were like, let's get a mutiny and just do comedy. Aye. We just want to do stand-up comedy. The ship be to an not internet a place audience. for harboring mutinies. Or harboring resentment. If only there was a way for tens of people to tune in and hear what we have to say. <laughs> tens of people. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's good and true. No, this is a very syndicated podcast. Doesn't it go out to like five? Well, this is this one's yeah. called Pop Off, and he hasn't been doing it for a while since COVID. We're popping off, baby. Yeah. And he, oh, is this true? And he actually plays... Um, <laughs> He usually plays 80s music, which is really cool. And he calls it something like Dusty Cove or something. Anyways, <laughs> Dusty Cove. That it's sounds like a pirate's whorehouse. It is. It's something like that. <laughs> but yeah, sounds tens lit. Of tens of thousands, tens I of people are listening. I'd hang out in a place called Dusty Cove. I she got a real Dusty Cove. Have you met Bear before? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Uh, that's right, everybody. Oh Sam's a trespasser. Who wants to hear another poem? Sure. This one's by Emily Dickinson. Oh, another by poem. Emily. Did you know that every Emily Who's Dickinson can poem can be sung to the you? tune of uh, no. of uh, Gilligan's Island? Every you Emily Dickinson. Long years apart can make no breach. A second cannot fill. 
it, it works. The uh, yeah, you're right. I'm not gonna do it's it. It's the uh, because <laughs> yeah, I couldn't right, stop for death. He kindly stopped for me. There was nothing between ourselves but immortality. It just keeps going. That's so fire, Emily Every Dickinson. Every single Emily Dickinson poem can be sung. She's to got bars. Of Gilligan's Island. Long Gilligan's years apart. Island. Gilligan's Island. That's this the first is thing you teach. Poem. That's what you when you're teaching, um, like creative writing 101, and you get to the poetry section, and you get to Emily Dickinson. That's what you teach everybody to like fuck them up forever, <laughs> so that every time they read Emily Dickinson, they remember boom to sing it like. Boom boom say what you mean, but say it slant. Yeah. This one's called 1383 oh, by Emily Dickinson. Long years apart can make no breach. A second cannot fill. The absence of the reach does not invalidate the spill. The embells of a thousand years uncovered by the hand that fondled them when they were fire will stir and understand. Here we, here we, here we fucking go. Here we, here we, here we fucking go. I do the poetry reading with the poetry with the Glasgow people at noon every Friday, so or every Wednesday. If you want to call into our Zoom, you can feel free to read your poems. Every one of their poems. They kick you out so fast. They're all really, um, they're all really respectful and nice, and they even use the right. They ask you to use your pro. They ask you to introduce your pronouns before you even start because they're trying to be super inclusive. Uh. They're nice people. And they actually listen to people's poems, and then they like clap. They're freshening up on the show. Just like witches at black masses. Go sail it. All right now, get it. Wamp 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 wamp. Everybody, what's your best accent? I can only do Iceland. I can do Icelandic. I can do Bjork. That's it. That's all I got. Billy, what about you? I reckon I can do a pretty good Irishman. That's all right. Same about yeah. you. Probably black. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're yeah, that's such a good a one. Do it, asshole. Do it. <laughs> we fucking hate you. If do you it. do it, we're canceling you. <laughs> it's all that urban these days. <laughs> that's, that's a one yeah. Can anybody do a Chris Rock? I do accents, but I can only do black. One rib. How much for just one rib? Your substitute oh, teacher. No. How much? <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, I hear, can do a great Chris Rock impression. Dude, yeah, it's pretty good. I watched that blackface video. Uh, yeah, it's l- it's his blackface video. Jimmy Fallon got outed. Justin Trudeau does You know what didn't impression. get outed? Trudeau. You know what didn't get outed? What? It was Jimmy Fallon's Ben & Jerry's flavor. Still stocked at a local store near you. Yeah? Did not get can- it, uh, What is it called? Kept the ice cream deal. What? It's, it's a good ass ice cream. Tonight dough. Yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a, what it is, it, what is it is, it's a, a mild vanilla in a thin Brown. coating of chocolate. Yeah, with some cookie dough Brown. chunks yeah. in it. Edible Because that's a blackface dough. joke right there. Uh, that's a really good one, that but really I did not oblique. understand. One, it was a yeah, yeah, I thought you were really good, but you actually describing the cream. cream. It's a, oh, what that's I should have really done good. is like, it's, it's, a, ch- it's a thin layer of chocolate over a mild vanilla. Yes. Just reverse them. Yeah. That's a good one. You have to set it up. Yeah, and you have to talk about Jimmy Fallon being in blackface a couple sentences before so that it'll make sense. But not right next to it, so it's too obvious. But it is hard to get a little Jimmy bit. Jimmy Fallon's kind of boring. You gotta talk about something else. Yeah, me too. You we only have 15, 16 minutes left. All Jimmy so Fallon do is clap and laugh. He just goes, ha! That's all he does. He goes, ha! And blackface. And he goes back to asking questions. And he goes yeah. back to blackface after that. He does musical impressions that are pretty fucking good. No lie. What about, um... He's SNL. You, yeah, you guys watch SNL auditions? You see some famous comics. Will Ferrell. I don't watch Ferrell's SNL. Ferrell's so good yeah. with the Get Off the Shed. No, the, the, the one that the wasn't shed. recorded that only Will Ferrell will tell the story. Uh. He just he just went, he just pretended he was a worm on the ground. He got on all, all he got on his hip and then kept his arms and his 
his arms together and his legs together, and he just went around the room, and he went, I'm a night worm. I'm a night worm. And, that, and like, instead of reading the script, he just did that it, as, as his audition. What the hell? <laughs> and, they, and they were like, oh, my God, that's Tim Holland. Like, <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> He's got He's it. Got He's it. got it. A star is born. That's insane. Because yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw the Get Off the Shed one, which is <laughs> genuinely one of the best solo sketches of all time. I think they tried to do it as like a as an ensemble sketch on SNL, and it just sucked ass. Because how he plays every role is just phenomenal. It's heightened so well. Will you know, we talking about the Get Off the Shed sketch with uh, Will yeah. Ferrell. He did an audition for SNL, and he just plays a dad doing barbecue. And he's like, Dad, I'm doing barbecue. Get off the shed. And it just builds off that. That's sure. Get off the shed! He just shouts it, and <laughs> yeah. he's such a good shouter. Sure, sure, he just I loved him as the cheerleader. He's like, Taco, burrito, what's coming out of your Tito? You got trouble. What, what? You got bubbles. Yay! <laughs> 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 him and Sherry O'Terry are the fucking cheerleaders, and they're cheerleading for the dumbest shit. It's perfect. I loved it. it loved cool. and it's super old. Too. I think the cow the cowbell one is his most overrated role because that is although it's the most iconic, I think he is an Socks, isn't dude. Socks it, made it iconic. Boxing sports made it iconic. You're right, it's not his most no, it's his stomach. It's his. It's no, his dude, stomach I remember I died of laughter when I first that watched that. I was also like 12. But you forget so that funny. it's Will Ferrell in a way. You know, I, d- I, d- I forgot that that was Will Ferrell because of the, the cowbell marketing has become so much. Yeah. Step Brothers, well, Holiday Nights. Walken though. is what made that sketch great. I mean, it isn't like yeah. that wasn't a Will Ferrell sketch per se. Wait, can I speak on the room for a second? Yeah. Step Brothers. Bomb ass movie. Oh come on! <laughs> Straight up, <laughs> brave, brave. Citizen Kane about the brave statement. Mary Steenburgen, Steenburgen, who plays plays the mom. I like her a lot as an actress. She was in The Yearling, which was a movie in the seventies hmm. where she took care of like a fawn in the backwoods. Something was crazy. It's like, but I've always loved Mary Steenburgen, and she's like fucking seventy and she's still hot. So. Yeah, she is hot. The Citizen Kane of our generation. Dude, that's such a good movie. Oh, my God. Was it <laughs> oh, dude, I met her. I met her. Mary Steenbridges. I met her in a Phoenix airport. Really? How the fuck did that ab- – how did that play out? Oh, maybe it wasn't her. Did you approach her? It wasn't her. It wasn't her. She maybe has curly her. black hair. It was I think it was Condoleezza cougar. Rice. Why not? Phoenix airport, actually. Ah, classic mix-up. Condolese, condescending. I say condescending, and condos that my dad and mom pay for it. Uh, condescending, Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice is fire. She never got fired. Even Colin Powell, he got fired. That's a bar. That's kind of a bar. Thank you, that rhymed. I watched a four-part, several-hour PBS documentary uh, on TV with Was it called Ken Burns' The Civil War? It's called. I love everything. Dude, I love everything. Ken Burns baseball was like four yeah, days. Yeah, Ken Burns' uh, baseball is hella good. Baseball, that's it. Baseball. Vietnam one is probably the best. Opus. I think the Civil War is my favorite. Nam is probably the best one. I've always been fascinated no with Vietnam. No way. Because it was Nam is the best one. My parents. Nam is so crazy. My parents' generation. My parents' generation did did Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, but like the baseball what? one no, was it's about not seven baseball. Days, it's seven no, no, it's, it's I've just always been really interested in Vietnam because of when I was born and it was such a close war and it was so, like, it was right there, but we weren't even acknowledging it then. And when I was in eighth grade, I had to do this project and I stood out in front of the mall with a VHS camera because my dad had one or whatever. And I asked people what they thought about Vietnam. And this was like in 1988. And half the people wouldn't answer me. They're like, I don't want to talk about that. 
They're like, we don't talk. Why are you asking? That's uh, we don't. We're, I don't know. And just no one wanted. It's going on Damn, YouTube's. That's crazy. Yeah. It was before YouTube's. It was in 1988. It was for a school project. It's for school. This is public property. Actually, I can film here if I want to film here. It's going to be like this way to connect everything. And everyone was going to be able to see everything one day. Internet you were being high. a Karen in a specific moment that it could get back to you in the end. But Karen was a really popular name when I was growing up, too. And I mean, now I look at them. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's like what it is. When you were growing up, they were like, Sorry. like the generation before you. They that was like a massive name, and now the generation before you is just absolutely Trudy. Trudy. used to be really Amish high. names. Yeah. Go for it, Jebediah. Yo, but hold up, Karen. It would suck style. if your name was just Karen and yeah. Like, the kid. Imagine oh, being a kid Kevin and every Karen. Chad. Like Kyle, Kyle and Chad, they've gotten by. Imagine four-year-old Karen yeah. and her mom. Like I can't believe I named her Karen. I knew it was a dying name, and I still went for it. Like there are yeah. four-year-old Karens out there. Dude, I kind of always hated the name Chad. I'll be honest. Like I, Chad, no, just, Chad I sucks. I have a friend named Chad. He's Everyone is Chad like is overcompensating for being Chad, and they're trying to be, like, cool and shit. Like, you're being told to that because you know? society conditions you to be a Chad, you know? And, like, what's harder than that? Be a Chad. You know the Chad that I know? It's he like got racism. wood earrings. He has earrings oh, wood. No. wood earrings now. And now he's Chad with wood earrings instead of, like, Chad who plays lacrosse. The Chad I know was he hella is good also. at lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> he also <laughs> he played lacrosse, like and now he's got wood team. earrings. Damn, there were two Chads on our team. Wood earrings. Wood earrings. <laughs> Like gauges? No, they're not gauges. It's a metal pin sticking into a wood, and the only the metal pin goes into the ear. That's wood. wood earrings. Made of wood. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus. Like, get don't get water on it, because then it will rot, and then you... Rotten wood earrings. It's kind of metal. That's a good nickname. Oh, no, it's not. Or a metal band. Rotten wood earrings. <laughs> hey, I'm going over to the oh, wa- like Rotten band. Wood Earrings show. Maybe a full you want to come? No, that yeah, sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, the Megadeth side project folk band is Wood Earrings. You can't go to South America because you would get termites. Ha! <laughs> one termite in his ear. That's that suck. Cool. What? We got termites in the Bronx. <laughs> like a Tom Hanks termite, like a, like a castaway termite that just found uh, a piece of one and he's looking for his buddy. He's like, Where are you? <laughs> This guy's a dick. He's conversationally insufficient. (laughs) 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 One termite on a fucking wood earring. That would suck. That movie was actually terrifying at the beginning when he goes in the plane crash. Like, I, I couldn't. I, it's so. He, imagine so working for FedEx, dude. That, oh that part where he loses the ball, dude. That's the oh worst my God. part. You guys think he fucked that ball? Sure. It was inflated. I would have fucked the ball. No, you'd rub your, you'd rub your bone up against no, you it. But you I mean, there was a hole, hole in, in it. Sand. Yeah, there was. No, you kissed the, the ball. Fucking sand. You Nobody's kissed the ball and you made no a hole. No way. Imagine. Too sandy. Oh, it gets in the tip. It gets in the See, tip. See, that's why we cut off there. our foreskin so we can fuck sand easier. <laughs> 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 I'm saying a coconut <laughs> mat. Back in those days, yeah, Abraham was like, oh, all of this sand is getting into my schmegma. See, that's how it went down. I'm saying take Get a coconut, Bible. mash up all the coconut meat so it's like a jelly, oh and then yeah. stop talking on the radio. You're a sexual. <laughs> <laughs> so. You just have to get a young coconut. You know when they're all like soft and supple on the inside. Would you know and seen any of her movie? I just bake a You guys pie. ever seen Remember the Titans? Yeah. Dude, they say the c word in that. That's crazy. Good to. What Pam's joke? Yeah. You could say, you could say cunt. It's okay. No, the other, the like a like a like a raccoon. The black oh. swerve. Yeah. 
I'm not even going to say it on the air. No, yeah, I'm well, they had liberal. to show ra- – the movie's about racism. If they didn't have any racist terms, it wouldn't really, like – wouldn't be that good of True. a portrayal. I forgot know? how racist it was. I get it confused oh, with yeah. Rudy, and then I'm like, this is the no, racist it's, one. Yeah, this is, it's, it's Rudy about segregation. Rudy, Rudy was segregation. Rudy is about racism. The Irish yeah. have been subjugated for a long time. Oh, God. Oh, that's well, no, I don't want to say it to the level oh, of African-Americans. It's but sizeism. The Irish love that this. That movie's about the tiny guy. And being sizeism. autistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sizeism. Not even it's sizeism. It's like, you just can't play on the Notre Dame football Able. team. That's not yeah. even sizeist. <laughs> that's <laughs> like... He's just probably not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro, and he wasn't. Yeah. I don't want to hate on Rudy. He was. I mean, he was better than me in football. Well, that's the problem is... You know, Probably. give all, give everybody a participation trophy, and don't if you don't give them any oh, critique. So talk, that no, but if you don't give people any critique, and then they you tell them that they did great and they didn't do oh, great, on, then they think that their mediocre, lame effort was good because you fucking told them it was good. You have to tell people when what they do isn't good enough, and that happens in the world. What True. You try hard, and sometimes you try your best, and it's just not good enough. There's lots of songs about it. Hey, when you write a paper, sometimes you didn't get the point across because you were high. so young and cute. Doesn't I don't matter. make them sad. No, you have to make them sad because Time otherwise, place like them. otherwise you give them cognitive dissonance and yeah. they think they're good and they're not. It's like telling a tone-deaf person that they're great at singing. And then they go out and try out for something and everybody laughs at them. And they're like, but I thought I was yeah, the best. Yeah, but you got to be super like – you got to be halfway on the spectrum to like really believe that you're good at something that you're playing. No, no. There, I, I agree. But time and place. Are you not in stand-up comedy? Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. The hundreds okay. of people on the stand-up comedy scene who have no aptitude for this at all. Music's and they keep worse. Trying yeah. and trying and trying. And it's good that they're so trying. But some bad. people don't ever get it. And then eventually they disappear because it's like, Dude. really? Could you spend your time doing something else and stop taking my stage time? You but maybe I'm the one with the cognitive dissonance. Who knows? You never get negative feedback. Yeah, probably. Unle- because it's fucking. It's 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 mean to do it. It's time and place. You know, I when's the right time to be like, I don't feedback. really like this. <laughs> if anybody gives you feedback, it's usually like, oh, it's so great. I think it's more common with musicians. If you go on, I know you're not on Instagram, but you see these fucking every paid promotion. Like every other two posts is some fucking shitty pop rocker who has like regular default fonts on his album cover doing uh-huh. like paying $500 to advertise a post because their stuff is bad, you know? I think that there there is there needs to be a time and place to tell someone that like maybe this isn't for you. But how do you turn around after you've committed yeah, your entire but life it's a, to the something? The thing is, too? like nobody like even dicks don't want to be that. G- I mean, there are a lot of people that do want to be that guy, but normal people like you have to you have to fucking pay me to go up to somebody and be like, "Hey, fella, you you know the thing you've been dreaming about that like all you do is think about." It ain't happening, but and so you're garbage at it, and everybody thinks so, and everybody yeah. talks about it behind your back, but they're just too nice to say it. Like you're, that'd be you're right. There's a bad a guy in their and documentary. And a context, and so I used to teach school, and in that medium, if someone fucks up, you tell them. But the problem is, you tell a kid they didn't do good enough, and you give them a C minus, and then their parent comes to you and goes, "Now, why did they get a C minus? Because they did this and this." And I'm like, "It's not good enough. Do you want to see the rubric? Do you want to? Ref- do you want to like grade their papers?" But everybody wants to think that their child is perfect, and everyone who writes it. The problem is that once you start teaching people that their effort, that their minimal effort is good enough, it fucks everything up. Because then they don't ever try hard. They're just lazy pieces of shit. And then we wonder why the world's falling apart and no one wants to do anything. Because no one wants to do anything. They just want to sit around and play fucking GTA all day. Or fucking masturbate and think that they're the best. Pam, ma- you Retweet. made your third graders write a paper on Adam Smith, okay? <laughs> no. It Maybe was it was the It rubric. was George Orwell, okay? I gotta teach the kids about oh the Oh my god. Young. Three third Aldous grade George Huxley. Orwell? 
<laughs> I'm kidding. No, I taught. I had 1984. I taught when they were sophomores. Did oh, okay. I only taught junior high and high school. I never taught kids. Dude, 1984 is something that should be taught. We didn't. That's yeah, something that got banned taught. on the book list. All I think. Really? Though. No. Yeah, yeah, we got 1984 and Brave New World, yeah, which is like the should. same fucking book. Well, kind of. I, they are, but they're di- they're both dystopian. My future. school but was like teaching you to be a part of the 1984 system. They're totally different because 1984 is Big Brother on the outside looking at you. Yeah. Big Brother. Yeah. Okay, so 1984 is about using fear. To mold people, and Brave New World is about using society and drugs and all of that and happiness to mold people. Because, like, Brave New World is all like, everybody do drugs and be totally numb to everything and go to the feelies and have no connection with anybody and have all of this, whatever you want, whenever you get it. And more... Um, let more stitches, l- less riches, have money, buy things, hand. consume, 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 centrifugal bumble puppy, more, more, more. Whereas Whoa. fucking, I'm sorry, I've taught the book, so I know, centrifugal, right. no, right, centrifugal I mean. bumble puppy is a game that they play in Brave New World because they have to buy more equipment. And so they make the really dumb people who they make dumb with the, um, when they, you know, um, eat pills, they make babies, they, they, they call it decanting when they decant babies because there's no more birthing. They make them dumb. They make them epsilons and deltas. They make them wear different colors. But if you're a beta, you're just like a sexy girl. And if you're an alpha, you're a smart guy. Like, it's this thing that they do, and then you get all this stuff. But with Centrifugal Bumble Puppy, you have to buy all of this stuff. So they make the people that love to work, they make them go out and do – anyway, it's social conditioning in a dystopian futurescape, except that one side does it with fear, and the other side does it with, like, stuff and consumerism and blindness and pretend naivete. Yeah, who and reads drugs anyway? And all that. So it's <laughs> like, th- that's why they teach those books together so that you can see. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I, but I, I, Spark Notes didn't say that for me. You know, all I, I, I read it like very skinny. <laughs> it's like a very, it's the same kind of dystopian, same English tint, tilt on it too, from two English white guys around the same time. I didn't, I didn't understand the, the nuance. You should read it again. I I, those are two of my favorite books. I like reread yeah. them every year with a bunch of other books. Some of the stuff is Anthem. They gave us Anthem in school once, and that was fire. Ayn Rand. Oh. Fire. So I've the only giver. I haven't read that by her yet, fire. but I do love the Fountainhead, and I do love the other one that I read, uh, which is garbage. Which has those are the long ones. Holy shit. I I read a lot. Yeah. You read Infinite Jest? No, because it's I. No. You're not a white I hate dude. That guy. Huh? You're not a straight dude. Oh, Who wrote God. Infinite no, Jest? He's a good guy. He's dead now. He killed himself. He's a good guy. He's they all killed themselves. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he committed oh suicide. Yeah, a while ago. He said he was going to do Yes, he did. That's the really cool shit. Well. You guys shouldn't be complaining. And then do it whether or not. So, like, so, he, so he crafted well, icons, he especially in writing. I couldn't get into it. I didn't get it. I didn't get that book. It's an emo boy book. Uh, people have told me, like, you should read the, all the emo boys. And they're like, read this book. And I'm like, ugh. Yeah. I, I read fucking fantasy. Every emo boy's read Infinite Jest. I've read every book except Infinite Jest of Dear Fox Wallace. And that one, that shoulder collection of short stories, the uh, supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. That's also another one of his great. He was played by Jason Segal in fucking End of the Tour with Jesse Eisenberg. Have you seen that movie? It's a very end of tour? Oh, oh, end oh of yeah, tour. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen yeah. that movie. That's, a one, that's, that's David a Foster Wallace. Yeah, that's okay, closing, amazing. closing thoughts. Quick, quick, quick. End of the tour with David Foster Wallace is an amazing movie. Where the sidewalk ends. Oh, is that Shel Silverstein? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember reading that as a Was he a pedophile? No. Okay, that's good. That, you're thinking of uh, some cri- crit girl? When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. I'm so excited. Today is a little bit different. I am pre-recording some call me tim 
because I have the most exciting interview that I've ever had on Some Call Me Tim. Well, today on Some Call Me Tim, I actually have Wania, the bow of season six alone. How did that happen? Oh, things happen on Netflix, and then get into them, and then, oh, you get on Facebook, and they're real people. She's a real person. She answered her fan mail, because I am a super fan. It's hard for me to express. I don't want to tell her this stuff, because it's weird, but she'll hear it on the thing later, but I'm I used to be a reality TV junkie. Before I started living like an authentic life that I wanted to live and spent my time the way I thought it should be spent to like make the universe and my universe and the whole situation better, I spent a lot of time watching screens and being really into reality TV. And in my late 20s, early 30s, I would say that it was my main goal in my life to be on a reality TV show. Now I look back at that and I think like, oh, maybe my reasons were a little more vapid or, but this alone show is no joke. If you haven't checked it out on Netflix yet, season six, wow. Like it's people surviving, sur thriving, as Wonia will put it on her, uh, alone. They have cameras, their own cameras. Nobody's filming them. They're filming themselves and they're surviving and they're making their own water or food, finding it, building a shelter. It's like crazy, but great, not pejoratively crazy. Like, wow, like superhero stuff. Living the way I would pretend as a child, like in my backyard, like, oh, look what I'm doing. But they're really out there. 73 days. She was out there for 73 days. And I'm watching the show and I'm crying and I'm crying. And there's all these amazing moments. She's dancing with the sun and she's squirrels, thanking the squirrels and being so grateful to everything she ate. And just like, and I'm crying. I mean, oh, it was just, it was amazing. And she's a woman. There were so many women out there. And I was so impressed because I just, when it started, I was like, oh, three women. And she's a feminist superhero. And I can't wait to ask her so many questions. She's calling like right now, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen like right now. Okay, I'm like, I did this, I started it a little bit early before she called because I was trying to like center myself so I wouldn't fangirl out on like the explanation of Alone before I started for those of you who haven't seen the show. It's not like regular reality TV, let's put it that way. I mean, it is in that they edited things heavily and I wanna ask Winia quite a bit about what they left out and I watched, she has a YouTube channel on Buckskin Revolution where you can watch the Alone series and listen to her as she unpacks each episode um, and says like the things that she could say and couldn't say because I guess they had a, a DNR or something about the show. I guess reality TV shows do that. You can't release anything before it happens on the TV. But 
Uh, she has her Buckskin Revolution channel that you should check out on YouTube, where she also teaches life skills. There she is! There she is! Okay. 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 Here she is. Okay. Oh, see, I already made a mistake. Hi, Winia. Hi, Sam. How are you? I, I already fangirled out a little bit to the audience before you called to like calm myself down and sort of like uh -huh. explain what alone is for maybe some of the people that hadn't seen it. But you're more than alone. Uh -huh. That's the thing, too. I didn't want to just like talk about alone today. Hi. Okay. Okay. I'm calm. I'm together. You're so cool. I'm just like over the moon oh, to like. I mean, you didn't even have snare wire, and you caught rabbits? Okay. I know. I actually got a snarky comment on my YouTube channel today about how bad I did and how they couldn't believe I couldn't catch fish in a lake that was teeming with fish and how bad my trapping was. And it's so funny what people think they know about a thing. Like, they didn't really advertise that I don't have snare wire, so most people have no idea that that was one of the challenges that was going on. You had no fish. Well, that's – and they mentioned that at some point, that each – place that they dropped people each campsite is the wrong word each place in the wilderness where you had the opportunity to live they were all different and so some had fish right. and some had you had uh squirrels and rabbits and berries not everybody had berries right like i had less berries than most people i think actually because i didn't have much in the way of blueberries you know, every site was different for sure yeah but it wasn't really true that like they all had equal mm. resources they tried to give them the best you know, they tried to make it the best swath and distribute the sites as well as possible. But some sites had way more resources than others, for sure. Yeah. Well, which would you have? That's the luck of the job. That's the real world. Right. <laughs> it's we... not Disneyland. It's the wild. Which which uh, which which site would you have wanted to be on? Watching it after, would you have said, "Oh, if I would have been there"? Did you have even that thought of like, "Oh, if I would have been in that no. spot"? I mean, the thought that had I been in a spot with more resources, mm -hmm. I could have done better and stayed longer. But I was in love with the place that I was. And when you're out there, you don't you have absolutely no idea what what other sites are like, what other people have access to. And there's really no point thinking about what you don't have because that doesn't fit you anywhere. Right. Well, but isn't that you can do with what you've got? That's a mindset I think that we have in our real lives here all the time is that when we focus on the things that we that someone else has or that we don't have and then it creates like suffering and misery that doesn't even need to be there. It's like what we can exactly. appreciate our own stuff. So, okay, so first I have questions not about alone. Where does your name where does Wania come from? What is the derivation of your super cool name? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the story of it is um, one that is interesting and not necessarily super cool. Um, so when I was a teenager, um, when I was uh, 19, I went and I did a summer course. There was a backpacking field study. So it was eight weeks backpacking in the mounds of Idaho, which was amazing. And one of the traditions of the course was that everyone take a, a trail name during that time. Um, just to kind of set it aside as a thing separate from your normal life. And so I did that, and I was really interested in ancestral skills and starting to learn more of these life ways that are the things that I'm into now. And I found a book of Lakota stories, and um, Wonia was a name. I wanted something that sounded beautiful and had a beautiful meaning and was something that I really identified with. 
And, um, and so Romia is a really powerful word that means um, like the life spirit when it's not incorporated in the body, it means the breath of life. And so I took that on as my trail name. And after, after going by it for so long, and it was a very, very transformative summer, um, I decided to keep that as my name. And so the, the not pretty part of it is that that's totally cultural appropriation. Oh. And I, you know, I was a young woman and I didn't really have that lens and I didn't understand, you know, I had no concept of that or why it might not be a great choice. So, um, so that's where Wonia comes from, is from a young woman who just named herself uh, a word from another tradition that wasn't her own. And I do think it's beautiful and I do really identify with it. And it's not a choice that I would make today, but I've gone by that longer than I went by the name I was given. And also I feel like it's a way to introduce it's that keeping that name, um, brings up the conversation and allows me to talk about the concept of cultural appropriation and just like changing it back would be like, uh, letting myself off the hook and pretending that I didn't make an inappropriate choice when I didn't know any better. And it gives me this kind of like this way of addressing such issues from a place of humility as someone who gets it because they've done that. So, um, yeah, so it's a great question and it's not, you know, um, yeah, it's not always an easy subject for me to talk about because of that reason. Do you do you feel like you've earned the name now that you have embodied all these ancestral skills? Almost like you could call yourself a, a bunny or a rabbit name at this point because you ate so many. <laughs> like you you even said on the that was one of the things they actually showed that you're like I'm part rabbit now. <laughs> like I'm or that all of yeah, your cells absolutely. were. So do you feel like through the time that you've spent being like cuz you have integrity with these skills that you're that you've embodied and then you're, you're living and you're teaching does that remove or do you still feel yeah, some of that no i don't i don't think that there's any earning a thing that is you know something that i took without permission uh, you know so i mean wow. i think that it's not an inappropriate name if you look at it in that way but if you look at it through the lens of cultural appropriation yeah. i don't think that you know, that there is anything that just changes. I mean, sure, I think that someone who didn't have a relationship with the skills and wasn't aware of these concepts, maybe it would be a less appropriate thing for, or it would be more harmful for someone else. But I don't feel like that makes it just okay, you know, not unless I had, you know, and, and and I've spoken to Lakota people about this too, so it's not completely without relationship to Lakota people, um, but you know, yeah, no, I can't. Yeah. People who are all going to have really different opinions about it. So, <laughs> but it's, it's not it's for an, me to say whether or not I earned it. I guess is the is the bottom line. It's an appropriate. It's an important conversation. Like, because since we're in this crazy time of, uh, I mean, what's happening with our world right now? There's so, but to even just to recognize a situation, it's like for me in white guilt. Like, I have to constantly come up against it and say, "Yeah, I'm." Oh, did I lose you? I lost you. You're back. I know. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. Cell phone here, so. And you're out. In, you're up there in the mountains in Grass Valley. Okay, so here's my next question: How are you friends with a giant okay. cat? <laughs> the the profile shot. Yeah, the, the picture the, the of the. You you're looking that? at the. You're looking mm-hmm. into the eyes of this enormous cat. I, I'm a cat person. I'm a crazy cat lady. Like I love cats. And I saw that picture. I'm like, how are you friends with a giant cat? 
I mean, that's actually a pretty small bobcat as they go. Um, <laughs> large, large compared to house cats. But that was a cat that had been hit on the road. Oh. Um, so that cat was no longer alive. Oh, really? I thought you were looking deeply yeah. into the eyes of a cat. See, look at me. I completely I misinterpreted the picture. You were. I mean, I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's all still true. So... And so for me, when I was watching you, I was so affected and I kept like kind of putting myself where you were. It was so, oh, it was so incredible because you're filming yourself and it's like so intimate because it was almost like I was with you and that's got to be weird for you. And I'm wondering how like that affected you with the camera and the intimacy. But also when I was watching you, I kept thinking I could never... And you, there were times where you'd pick up an animal and look at it and be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for feeding me. And and you had to be like intimate with that animal and pull off its skin and do all that stuff. Is that, I mean, how do you do that? I, I, I Maybe I'm just so removed from <laughs> survival in life that like I just couldn't imagine. I mean, I was watching you do it and that was hard for me. Like... Uh, when I saw Jordan with the Wolverine and I saw his little face and his teeth and I was like, I'm making myself watch this. But like, how did, was that interacting with you? With Were you just so grateful for the food that it wasn't, or that's just not freaky for you? It's just not freaky for me. That's been a part of my life for a really long time. You know, I've raised my own meat animals, um, you know, and I was vegetarian and vegan at one point. So I was like very anti-hunting and PETA and vegetarian in high school. Um, but once I started being introduced to ancestral skills and, you know, I went right from being vegan to processing and eating roadkill. Um, and I'm, you know, I have a science background and a deep connection with animals and it's never, it has never felt like a juxtaposition to me Mm. to love and feel connected to a wild creature and to, you know, in it and break down its body for food and eat it. That is the most natural thing in the world to me. And to me, the barriers that our society puts up and the, the removal from our food source, that's what feels weird and wrong to me. Um, so, yeah, it certainly was not an issue for me out there and nor in my life in general. See, I um, I, I cook. One of the things I do for a living is I, I, I cook. I have no problem if an animal has no head. Like, I can – I've processed so <laughs> many birds. I've deboned so many birds in my time. Like, it's – but if they have a head, I can't do it. And and I think maybe it must be something to do with the way I was raised. And I was so far removed. Even when I am working with a food source, I'm still removed from it, even when it's whole. So right. Uh, talk a little bit about Buckskin Revolution and what you're doing to try to create that connection again with people and the way we should. I don't want to say should be living our lives. That's weird. But the way we did for thousands of years and then it's just this little tiny little bit here at the end where we're so removed from it exactly right yeah um so yeah i mean you've kind of you've hit the nail on the head there that my work with buckskin revolution is to kind of um invite people back into that place of connection not just with the world around them um but with our own selves with our human communities and with with our ancestry as humans and what it is that we evolved to do and absolutely the bodies that we live in evolved over the course of hundreds of thousands of years millions of years to to allow us to engage deeply with the world around us and it's only been a few hundred years 
that that's completely shifted to where we no longer need a lot of these senses that we evolved with. And I think that, you know, the malaise that we see in our modern society and so many people who are unsatisfied and, you know, dealing with depression and feel like there's something missing from their lives, I believe that that is because we are living lives that are so different from what we evolved to do. And that does, you know, that does leave a feeling of something missing. You know, we have all of these amazing sensory perceptions that are about engaging with the world around us. And instead, we engage with screens, you know, 12 inches from our faces, and we fill our senses with noises. And, you know, like right now, there's a helicopter overhead, and I can hear the highway. And, you know, my ears evolved to the frequency of bird song. And knowing what's going on in the forest around me through paying attention to what the birds are doing. And, um, yeah, I think that the degree to which we engage those skills, those senses, those parts of our body, you know, just our hands in, in fashioning things that we need for our lives, there's something deeply fulfilling about that, you know, on a level that we don't even really know how to verbalize. Um, and Crafting. Well, that's, it's making... that's what I'm trying to share. When, when humans, I mean, we as humans, all we really have is the ability to create things right either thought or stuff and I feel like and watching you craft it's uh, that was the thing okay so at the beginning of the show they don't show you for like two weeks and I get it it's a reality right. tv show and they had to show the people that were going to break their leg and get kicked off and they had to show their stories a little <laughs> bit because they were leaving and you were going to be there forever but all those things that we didn't get to see like you were just sitting on the ground weaving baskets for two weeks or like what was because you were, I mean, obviously you were doing things. You were. There's a lot going on in those first couple of weeks, yeah. So it was all like um, building your amazing shelter, which was like the best shelter. I was like, I want to live there. That's, <laughs> it was, it looked warm and snug and like a real little house. But you were like mm-hmm. literally crafting all the time. Yeah, I mean, when you weren't looking uh, for well, there's food. There's all or... kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's hard to sum up. It was a huge time. You know, I mean, it starts off, with the most important thing that you can be doing is, yeah, getting your shelter set and then starting to, to key into your environment and where the food sources are and strategizing how you're going to avail yourself of those. So the, that was what, you know, my first couple of days were scouting my site and deciding where to set up my shelter and um, being sure that I was in the best possible location and then starting to build. And, you know, we, we had snow on day three, oh. so it was full on from the very beginning. And so I was constantly in this place of trying to balance food, resources, and shelter. And, you know, when I woke up covered in snow, obviously that's going to nudge me to prioritize shelter um, for that day. Um, but always trying to hold both of those things. And um, certainly the first few days were more focused on shelter for me because I knew that my body still had a lot of calories in it because yeah. we had been gorging up until we left. So I knew that my system had as much energy, you know, at the very beginning as I was likely to have Um and so I wanted to really focus on shelter at first while I knew I still had those, those you know, glycogen stores in my liver. Um, wow. <laughs> and, um, but by day four, I started hitting fishing really hard. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, doing, you know, doing a lot more focus on fishing until it became increasingly clear that I was not in a location that had fish. Right. Um, you just had very, very shallow water. That must have been so frustrating that you crafted all those lures and you were out there and just sitting for hours. I mean, were you listening to the birds? Like, did you, you just. I mean, I was doing 
No, <laughs> I was constantly, constantly active, oh. doing everything I possibly could to improve my situation every daylight hour and well into the night by headlamp. There was no downtime and listening to birds. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> but that, like the... that's something that I was doing as I was doing everything oh, else, gotcha. you know, like part of my awareness would be there. But, um, but no, constantly, How... you know, bringing in firewood, working on the shelter, you know, strategizing new ways to, to try to make fishing happening, finding, you know, scouting the landscape and seeing whether there were any other better places for fishing, going, you know, making a moose call and going into the woods and calling moose. I mean, I was, I was splitting my strategy between fishing and bringing in moose, but, that, and, you know, you were asking like, what were the resources that I had? My site was very resource scarce compared to a lot of the other sites. I didn't have big game. You know, I was hoping for problems with bears because I had a bow, 45 pound bow and broadheads, and I would have been thrilled to have bears sniffing around my camp. And that happened with a lot of other people, but that's not, you know, I was on a narrow rocky peninsula with no fish and no big game and really actually very scarce small game because it was, you know, mostly bear rocks. Right. Um, I, so in terms of, you asked earlier, in terms of resources, somewhere like Jordan's area where he had fish and big game and a ton of small game. I mean, he was in an area that had been burned a couple years before, which means there's a ton of vegetation regrowth. It's one of the most abundant sites that, you know, that you can possibly have. Um, and mine, in contrast, was a bare rocky peninsula surrounded by shallow water. Right, so, with where you yeah. got to – now, here's another question I have. Uh, what's your dance background? And I was so bummed that they only showed you once <laughs> with your – because I, I watched all of your YouTubes after, and you're like, I was dancing every night I had a dance party until the last week. and um, Not every night, once a week. Once, once a, week. a week, oh, okay. But you sang the sun yep. up every morning. I, I sang the sun down you every evening. You sang the sun down. Um, yeah. But these were rituals. I sang the sun up a lot of mornings, but not every morning because okay. mornings were a lot more challenging, frankly. What, was it just, it was so <laughs> maybe cold? Maybe all the more reason. Was it getting out of bed was just yeah, so difficult? Yeah, it was cold. Yeah, it yeah. was cold. I mean, <laughs> as time went on, things shift, you know, like starving for weeks on end um, and really, really cold temperatures and not sleeping well because generally when one is um, really undernourished and in ketosis, it tends to affect your sleep patterns. Um so, so yeah, but getting out of a sleeping bag into minus 20 degrees oh. and you haven't had anything to eat for weeks is challenging. Yeah. So, I'm, and my voice is a little more croaky in the morning. So, wow. <laughs> so my right. singing practice singing. is more sure. consistent in the evenings than in the morning. And, but these were rituals. So this is kind of goes back to the ancestral thing. So you were creating rituals for yourself out there. And is that what? like helped keep you grounded in and like what what would what did you find Cause i also you also made ancestral plates like you said that when you were cooking your food you were like how did i don't want to like say like how did that witchy stuff help you but I, I mean i'm into it too so but you were you were performing all of these rituals how did that like bolster your attitude and your how you were spending out there because i didn't see anybody else like doing rituals like that yeah, I mean, you know, I think that um, I think that ritual has a certain connotation, which isn't necessarily how I would describe it. I mean, I think that it has a lot of connotations, some that fit and some that don't. But I would say, yeah, I mean, definitely I wove into my life a lot of practices that reminded me to be coming from a place of gratitude and connection. Um, 
I just, you know, like I, I've posted videos about making blood pudding and have some people say that I'm like doing satanic practices or something. So I'm leery around the term ritual sure, because sure, people sure, sure. can take that and yeah. run with it, all kinds of weird places. Um, Right. Well, so you're anyway, like a celebrity yeah, now, I, so you you have to you do have to watch what. No, seriously, because words of people. I, that's I'm not sure the word I would use necessarily, uh, but millions. I have a higher profile than I used to. Millions of people have seen you, like, sir, sure. and all of yeah, the skills that. I mean, do you feel like this was the this is what you've been working your whole life for? Like, all of your skills came to fruition for this time that you were able to survive? I mean, not just for that time, for, for similar things. For all time. It definitely felt like a fruition of a lot of things, but it, I don't like to think of it as like an end goal because then what, what do you have after an end goal? <laughs> right, sure. So, yes, it was definitely a culmination of, um, of things that have been a huge part of my life for decades. Um, yeah, but I hope that it's not the last time oh, no. that I get to use all of those skills that I'm sure you're using the skills right now. Um, so back, I didn't a dance background. So were you a dancer as a child? Because you, no, not at all. Um, I mean, I am someone who. Lo- I mean, I guess yes. I got dragged to ballet at four, and you know, did somersaults and tutus and such. But that's the that's the sum total of my dance background. I mean, I'm I'm someone who loves dancing, and have taken you know, I have taken different dance classes, but um, mostly just free form. Um, you know, like five rhythms and ecstatic dance and that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's a background, but just something that's a part of who I am and something that I really love. Rad. I just, uh, yay. Um, okay, so I have all of these questions about cameras. Did they train? Okay, so mm-hmm. it was a crazy show to watch because it was beautifully shot. And I know that some of it was be real and like they are a show and they, mm-hmm. they're doing what they do. But the majority of the and stuff... they go over sites with drones occasionally and that kind of thing. So they do, you know, bolster what we do. But you are your own camera person, which I don't... It took me yeah. a while to realize that. I'm like, so do the camera crew... I kept thinking, like, the camera crew gets lunch, like, while they're starving. That's inhumane. That's terrible. But then I realized, like, wait, 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 no. There, no, there's no camera There's crew. no one there. No, right, no. It, it's actually literally... I mean, the show is called Alone for a reason. Yeah. It's quite literal. Yeah. I just didn't believe it at the beginning, and then I'm like, okay, this is real. So, did they t- teach you how to use camera, or did they tell you like what shots they wanted yeah. you to do, or where? Okay. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's a big part of the prep before going out. Is um, is yeah the the camera training, and that happens also in their selection process. Um, you know, when they 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 had for my season, I think they had twenty thousand applicants Whoa. to be on alone. Um. And then, and, and I didn't apply, they, they called me. Um, and so, you know, I kind of got a, got a leg up in that whole process, but, um, but then they narrow those 20,000 down to 20, in my case, 22 people. And then they bring us out to New York for a week to do a bunch of different assessments, um, skills assessments, you know, physical tests, psychological tests. And in that they do a bunch of camera training. And then they're also, um, I think they're also really paying attention to see who cares to dive into the camera training and who's actually really um, prioritizing learning the camera skills because you can have all of the survival skills in the world but if you're not that interested in shooting well then they don't have a show right you know? so very important that um that they select people who care to do a good job with the camera training which you know i did yeah um, i mean so, it was beautiful it was beautifully yeah. shot and even like when you're i guess kept thinking like how much time are you spending 
with the camera because the sun is going down and you're chipping through this ice and it's 18 inches thick and you didn't have the axe. You had your cool thing that you chopped the trees down with and, and you're just going and going and going. And I was like, how much time did the camera take to set up? And then you have to take it home and well, all these and other that, like. Yeah, and that's, that's a huge component. And honestly, you know, I would do it differently now than I did then. I was very, very invested. I mean, really the reason why, and there were a lot of different reasons why I decided to do alone, but a big part of it for me wasn't, you know, I wasn't about the competition. It would have been great to win on some level, sure. And there were some levels where I didn't actually think that winning would be the thing. Um, but m one of my main goals was to demonstrate a different way of approaching survival than what one usually sees on these shows. And, you know, it usually tends to be about like competition and coming from this very antagonistic place with the natural world. And like, mm. you know, it's me versus nature. And, you know, even one of the shows is called man versus wild, right. you know, and that is the polar opposite to my perspective and how I wanted to be out there. So for me, it was the opportunity to share my perspective with the world stage and knowing that the, you know, the better I did, the more I, the more I proved that going about things from a place of connection and reciprocity rather than domination and, you know, competition is a viable strategy, is a viable strategy for survival. So, um, because that was such a goal of mine, I really took a lot of time with the filming, and that was a huge part. I would say half of my daylight hours and, you know, calories and time and energy went to getting really good shots. Wow. And it would, it would affect what I did. You know, I would choose to do things like I would process my animals during the day, during the daylight hours, so I could get really good footage of it. When for me, practically speaking, it would be way better for me to leave that animal in my shelter and do it at night because there are tons of things I can be doing out on the land when the sun is out that I can't do in the dark. And the sun was only out for four hours a day by the time I left. So every daylight hour was so huge. And yet I sacrificed a lot of them to get the good camera angles and to set up the good shots and do the good filming. And then it was so disappointing to watch the show and see that like way less than 1% of the things I filmed made it onto the show. And I could have done, so I, I could probably have had twice as much food if I had had twice as much time. Oh. Well, honestly, I'm not sure that that's true because my spot was so resource scarce, but you know, I could have done much better in terms of the survival aspect had I not put so much energy towards filming really well. Um, so, you know, I don't want to say that anything is a regret because it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. And had I shifted some things then maybe other things that I can't know now would have shifted and that would have been a bummer. But I would do it differently in terms of so much time and attention towards filming well if I was to do it again. How many hours a day did they ask you to film? Because we were we were asked to film absolutely everything we did. Wow. So what did they give you batteries so we every legally time? We require that. So we had we had a way to recharge our own batteries. We had a big like essentially like a big car battery uh -huh. um, that we could recharge some of the batteries ourselves. But then they would also give us a ton of batteries when they came to do medical Med checks. checks. And then figured. also early on when they weren't doing medical checks and when the lake wasn't frozen, they would um, they would do what they called blind drops, or we would have a dry bag and we would leave our dead batteries and our SD cards with our footage on the shore in a dry bag and they would come by with the boat and grab that bag and replace it with a bunch of fresh batteries. So and, we, but they wouldn't you know, talk they never to wanted you. us to be without batteries. Of course. No, no, like, we, we didn't even see the boat. We weren't supposed to be anywhere near shore when they did that. They would let us know, okay, we're doing a blind drop today. 
don't be anywhere on shore, you know, between this hour and this hour. So did you look forward to med checks just because they were people like when they started happening or was it like, oh, med checks, I don't want to I don't want to know or. No, I didn't. I didn't really look forward to them. I felt like it really interrupted my routine. I mean, oh. one thing is that a day with a med check was kind of a lost day oh, in terms right. of food no gathering daylight. because they would give me a window when they, when they were coming, but they didn't know when exactly. So I couldn't be that far from my shelter, and my trap lines were a good ways away from my shelter. Yeah. Um, and so it meant it meant losing a ton of time. It meant like stripping. I mean, they weighed me. I had to strip down in the freezing cold, yeah. you know. Um, and it just when you're so adjusted to being out there on your own like I wasn't lonely I was loving it I like really had this beautiful um connection and solitude and um you know having a helicopter land and a whole bunch of people come out and you know poke and prod you and ask you a bunch of questions it's very disruptive and it was a whole different energy and it took me a while after they left to kind of get back to my serenity after everything being so stirred up in this whole different type of interaction. Um, so I know I did not look forward to the medical. I mean, I really had a deep connection with a lot of the people um, who were coming with the film crew. Like I really appreciated them as people. And so it's not like I didn't enjoy the interaction when they were there, right. but it was still so disruptive that I would rather have not had it. And towards the end, you know, I was having medical checks a lot more often because I was dangerously underweight and I knew they were very, very concerned about me. So I had the fear of being pulled up you know, all the time. Um, right. I got my first warning that I was on medical alert on day 40. Whoa. So 33 more days, I was out there wondering when I was going to get pulled and having medical checks way too often that were very disruptive and actually really um, affected my ability to bring in food a lot. So it's like, yeah. you're underweight, so we're going to check you more often. And it's like, well, the more that you check me, the more underweight I'm going to get because that's the whole day that I lose a lot of my trapping capacity. Uh, how far, you said you're, Traps were a ways away, like a mile. I'm just trying to think calorie wise. No, no. no not uh, that far. I mean, uh, it changed all the time. You know, okay. I had different trap lines set up. I was constantly, I mean, every day I was checking and resetting because I had fishing line and not snare wire. Fishing line rabbits can chew through in, you know, oh, half a yeah. second. So I was constantly, constantly having to take down and reset up other snares and you know the rabbits would be onto me if I had set up a bunch that they had just nipped off in one area they would stop using that area so I had to constantly be exploiting other areas and you know so there was no set trap line that was there all the time it was you know constant strategizing and shifting up what I was doing how so many sometimes I don't know probably as far as half a mile okay. but not not a whole mile away and you know I my territory you don't know how big your zone is, you know, you're not, they have boundaries you're not allowed to cross, but it's not like they're marked, you know, this is way out in the wilderness. So the way that I would know is if I got a little blip on my GPS device. Right. Um, and then let's talk about so, the beavers. Oh, oh, I saw the thing when you talked about the beavers. I want to talk about the beavers. So when everything finally freezes <laughs> up and you're like, all right, I'm going to go get those beavers and you get over to the beavers, can't get to dang beavers. And then the frozen river and the beeping and the leaving. That was crazy. So, yeah. Did you? That was, was that the first time that you <laughs> felt? Was that the first time you felt real fear, or were there other moments where you were like, "I could die right now"? Was that the only moment that was at like the end of your journey, and you were like, "Whoa"? Yeah, that was the only moment. Really? 
You never felt any, like, Mm -hmm. that was a kind of fear that, like, I can imagine it's like inside, you're like the pit of your being is like, oh, whoa, we need to be careful. Well, and the thing with that frozen river was, yeah, I mean, that was like, I never felt any threats from the outside. Like, being on the river, that was my own fault. You know, that was that was my own poor choices right in that moment. So I didn't really have anything. So I felt fear, but I also felt like shame at like, wow, that was a really stupid choice. You just really put yourself in jeopardy. Um, but that was the only moment. No, I really, you know, I, I understand that it maybe should have been scary and um, that it would be for a lot of people. But I felt so seen and held and wanted by that place, I just really didn't feel like there was anything out there that wished me harm. And even, you know, I mean, I was out there on top of that frozen river because I'd been following wolf tracks um, across the ice. And, you know, wolves are big predators, but I, you know, I didn't feel like I was in any danger, which is not true. You know, like (laughs) something could have decided that I was an even, uh, you know, an easy meal. But even so, I mean, my deepest desire was to be a deep part of that landscape, and that is part of that is part of living wild and wild systems. And so, in that way, I mean, I'm sure that had I been attacked by a wolf in the moment, it would have been very scary. But you know, better would to go out that way as part of a beautiful interaction in a wild place than to get taken out in a car accident. Sure. You know. Did you have an so, arrow knocked? So I wasn't. Did you have an arrow knocked uh, when you were on walking? That, no, I didn't have an arrow knock. I'm trying to remember if I even had my bow with wow. me. I probably did because I brought my bow everywhere. But no, I definitely didn't have an arrow knock. Because you were I just walking and having my bow with me on that trip. You were just yeah, experiencing I mean, you the know, beauty of the place. It's not that common for wolves to take out people, and especially in an environment where they don't see people. It's not like we're on the menu. It would be an right. unusual animal that's like, what is this thing I've never seen before? I guess I'll figure it out by eating it. You know, <laughs> generally that's. There would be a curiosity. You know, the place where you see problem animals is places where humans have been encroaching into wild places a lot and affecting wild animals' ability to get game. You know, like bears attacking people. That happens usually in, like, campgrounds and such and places where they're used to associating humans with food. Um, So, yeah. I mean, which is not to say that, you know, that they mightn't be motivated that way. But (laughs) it just wasn't. I didn't feel in my gut that I was in danger in those ways. Right. So just from yeah, the I had one water. moment when I was coming back. Yeah, just from standing on top of water, you know, of of ice that was way thinner than it should have been to me be standing on top of a frozen river. I just didn't realize. And for the for the you know listening audience right now, what she's referring to is a night pretty far out. I think it was night seventy, maybe sixty nine or seventy. Um, I, I had hiked out across the ice. I was way out of my bounds. I didn't realize that because the GPS signals and satellite signals are um, really bad out there. So the message telling me that I was way out of bounds didn't come until I was already far out. Um, but it was kind of dusk. I couldn't really, you know, the light was starting to go. And I was in this area on this lake, which is this huge lake, um, where the ice was starting to be uh, not flat, but kind of bubbled. And I was curious about it. And I thought that it must have been, you know, vegetation or something. And I didn't realize until I was already pretty far out that the reason why it wasn't flat there is because it's actually a, a river. And so it was like the bubbling flow of the river that had frozen and it was not very thick ice. And um, because that's what happens, ice that's on top of flowing water doesn't, doesn't freeze very quickly. So 
it's a really dangerous, really sketchy place to be. And I just, you know, and that it was so enthralled. It was by dusk. These wolf tracks. The, the dust, yeah, so they couldn't they have come to help me. They couldn't have flown the helicopter. They, yeah, they wouldn't have. Not been that able. they could have gotten there. I mean, if I had gone through ice on top of a fast-moving frozen river, there would have been nothing they could do. I would have been <sighs> stuffed under the ice anyway, and <sighs> the helicopter would have been a non-issue. <laughs> and I knew that. You know, that was, that was, that's the, you know, I've done a lot of wilderness trips in my day, and I've never in my life had a button I could push for someone to come save me. So <laughs> I, that wasn't really part of my reality out there. Like, I knew that everything I was doing was a calculated risk and that, you know, the chance of rescue was a pretty remote one. So that, that didn't figure into my thinking out there. That's why you're a superhero. You're fearless. Um, You're a fearless feminist (laughs) superhero. I'm not fearless, but that, those aren't the things that I'm most afraid of, I guess. Well, okay. So let's switch gears. What are the top five most beautiful things you saw up there that you could, there's probably gotta be more than five, Mm. but that you hadn't seen in any of your wilderness journeys that you were just so majestic that, that they didn't show on the show. I mean, they showed a lot of the Northern lights and I kept being like, is that, that's crazy. That was, wow. Um, they are crazy. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that area, Yellowknife, um, in the Northwest Territories, is um, a worldwide destination for Northern Lights tourism. I mean, the streets are awash with tourists um, who come there to watch the Northern Lights. So, yeah, all that footage was very real. Uh, so, yeah, the Northern Lights definitely, I, I'd seen Northern Lights before. Um, I'd lived in Northern Ontario for a brief time um, and seen some pretty spectacular Northern Lights there. But, yeah, that was those were really, really amazing. Um, the night that I was out on the ice, the night that they showed the footage of where I was trying to get through the ice and realizing that it, in the course of the couple days that I hadn't been out on the ice because there'd been a really intense storm, a really intense storm that dropped the temperature about 20 degrees with just whipping winds. And that storm, the ice went from about four inches thick to about you know 18 to 24 inches thick. Um, so I had been able to get through the ice with the same technique I was using before that. And then all of a sudden there was no way, but that ice, that, that, that night, that sunset was the most epically beautiful, awe inspiring evening of my entire life. And it was really frustrating to me that what they showed instead was me failing to get through the ice and they inserted bleeps. I'm fairly certain I wasn't actually cussing. Um, I don't know for sure. Maybe I was, but they, but they made it look like a hardship. And it was one of the most amazing nights in my life, such that, like, I just fully surrendered after that. And was like, if they pick me up tomorrow, I don't care because I got to have this night out on the ice. It was this experience where I was out there and the ice was completely scoured clean, just a mirror surface from this really intense storm we had had for days and days with heavy winds and, you know, like scouring the ice with snow. Yeah. Um and the sun was going down, and because the storm was just clearing, there were a lot of clouds, so the color was really intense. And the sky was just this amazing hot pink, orange, you know, beautiful colors. And then I'm standing on this ice that is so smooth that it's reflecting the sunset back at me. So it's like I'm standing in the middle of the sunset. You know, I'm completely surrounded by sunset colors everywhere. And then the night was just so gorgeous once I figured out that I couldn't get through that ice. I just decided to go further out onto the lake and just revel in it. And I got further out into the ice in an area where the the pressure of the ice freezing so fast had cracked the surface of the lake. So it's all of these different pieces of ice that had all been kind of pushed up 
by the pressure of the cracking. And so they were all of these little pieces that were all sitting at a different angle to the oh. sky. So each one was catching a different color. Like Superman. And, and reflecting that back at me. It was, yeah, yeah, only sunset. Oh, like sunset. All of Superman ice colors. cave, sunset time. so epically unbelievable. And then as I'm out there on the ice, the moon is rising. Oh. And it's like exactly half of a moon and exactly vertical. So that's rising up over the island as this amazing it was just the most amazing experience of my entire life and you know why I mean, didn't they show like that you must with beauty do you get to keep the footage well, because they want to show the drama no no you don't get you put footage. the foot well, honestly i didn't bring the cameras oh. out there <gasps> i mean i did take footage no i did take footage of the moon rising but when i went out to where there was the puzzle pieces i left the camera set up by that hole and i just wandered out by myself which i wasn't really supposed to do but it was like too epic and amazing yeah. um so, so yeah, um, you know, they could have showed, there was a lot of footage of it. There just wasn't the footage of the, like, me on the puzzle piece part of the ice. Right. Um, but because that's not, you know, they're trying to build the drama, and this is the last couple of days, and so they're trying to pitch this, like, you know, battle to the end between me and Jordan, and 